What's up, everyone? This is Shiragam, and I want to welcome you to episode 30 of the Hashishin, brought to you by Rosin Evolution, the best bags in the game. You can visit them at rosinevolution.com. As always, thank you for tuning in. Today, we're bringing you some island vibes as we get to hang out with both Preston of Preston Faux Show and Dustin of Mother Rock Botanicals, where we get to talk about their connection to the cannabis plant and how their friendship has blossomed into a partnership. We talk about their approach to simple, natural farming, as well as their love for hash, living on the big island, one wheels, and much more. So definitely stay tuned for that. We're able to bring you this episode thanks to our community on Patreon. Both Dustin and Preston are community members themselves. So much love to them and every single person that makes up our community on Patreon, because they're the ones that allow us to keep bringing you what we hope are valuable conversations. If you ever want to check out the additional content on our Patreon, visit us at patreon.com backslash the hashish in that's the hashish inn or use the link in our Instagram bio. A big shout out to our sponsors. Another big reason we're able to keep bringing you more episodes, including our main sponsor, Rosin Evolution, the best bags in the game, who again, you can visit at rosinevolution.com or on Instagram at rosinevolution100. That's the number 100. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Rosin Evolution's full mesh wash bags are the best deal on the market. I've seen some of the greats using them lately, and it seems that they're loving them just as much as everyone else who I've spoken to about their Rosin Evolution wash bags. So next time you need wash bags, do yourself and your bank account a favor and visit rosinevolution.com where you can also grab all your rosin bags and rosin making materials. And if you want to save additional money on their already fair prices, Use our savings code, the letters THI, the number 710, that's THI 710 altogether to save an additional 5% with Rosin Evolution. Shout out to Powers Plates, the small batch rosin press company. You can visit them at powersplates.com or on Instagram at powersplates, that's P-O-W-E-R-S plates. If you're looking for a rosin press and you want the best rosin press on the market, you found it. Just visit them at powersplates.com and use our exclusive savings code, the letters THI standing for the Hashish In. Shout out to Six Star Society, your solventless apparel company. They're gonna keep you looking fresh with their fun designs that play on our love for the resin. If you're a believer in resin over rosin, check out their melt and full melt lines, which include tees, hats, and joggers, as well as gear to keep you warm in the cold room like their hash gym hoodies, their six star beanies, and their six single source jacket. So if you want to show your love for the resin or rosin, check out Six Star Society at sixstarsociety.com or on Instagram at the number six underscore star underscore society and use again our exclusive savings code the letters THI standing for the hashish in to save five percent with six star society and last but not least shout out to the homies Pele Polare your thermal jacketing specialist you can visit them at pelepolareco.com or on Instagram at pele underscore polare. If you need help battling condensation this summer, allow Pele Polare's high-grade thermal jackets to assist you with that. Not only do they keep your vessel colder for longer, they allow your water temps to remain steady, which keep you from having to reintroduce ice into your washes. Not only does that save you money, time, and energy, it also keeps you from introducing another variable that could affect the cleanliness of your end product. They also carry stainless steel washing vessels and many other tools that help your job as a hash maker 
that much easier. So again, visit them at belepolaresco.com and use our savings code, the letters T-H-I, to save 5% on your entire order with them. And the last thing I'll mention is that we're at about 60% capacity for our first live event, coffee and donuts with Adam to go in Southern Maine, which we've extended into a two-day event on both Friday, July 30th and Saturday, July 31st. We've worked really hard to bring you a unique event. So join Simply Adam, Mission Hill Melts, and myself for coffee and donuts with Adam to go in Maine on 7.30 and 7.31. And just for coming, you're entered to win a set of Powers Plates. Right now, your odds are about one to 20, which I would take any day. We'll also be giving a few dab rights away. So join us for awesome food in an awesome location with great people. You can buy tickets on Eventbrite. The link is in our Instagram bio. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Today, I am beyond stoked to be here with some of the guys that I believe to be producing some of the best resin in the world. Preston, a.k.a. Preston Show, and the multi-talented plant zaddy. Dustin, a.k.a. Mother Rock Botanicals, a.k.a. Fire Red Beard. You can follow them on Instagram at PressingFauxShow, then at Pressing.FauxShow, maybe at Mother Rock Botanicals and at Fire Red Beard. What's going on, homies? Thank you so much for taking the second time to talk to me. That was amazing. Thank you, Shraga. It's an honor, brother. And, uh, Shooting it right back at you, man. Thank you so much. And uh, we love it. So appreciate you, brother. Yeah, man. Big ups. We've been a huge fan for quite some time. You know, you've been pulling out some content. It's it's cool knowing that we've been following for each other for quite some time. And we're at this point of being on your podcast. It's a huge honor. Absolute bucket list. I mean, beyond bucket list for me. And also, um, you know, just giving thanks to also just recently joined the Patreon. And I've been really enjoying the multi, uh, more, you know, in-depth content and just kind of cracking into the surface of it. So I'd encourage other people to tune in like that and check the Patreon out as well. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, hidden messages that you won't even find on anywhere, YouTube, maybe Reddit, but that's going to have to do some deep Digging. research. This Digging. is, you know, your platform is just like, boom, here's all the information you need, you know, respect. Salute. Yes, sir. Well, I appreciate that, man, that the, you know, I, I really appreciate your kind words and, and the plug and yeah, the, the admiration is mutual, man. Like, you know, I, I've told you, uh, it's funny. I've always had this weird kind of connection with you guys in one way or another, where like, I always remember Dustin on his fire red beard account, supporting the podcast from early on. And then I told you guys a funny story where I was about to do the recording with Kush Kirk and, you know, he's like, what are you, what are you doing? And I'm like, ah, you know, I have this kind of idea and he's like, nah, bro, like it's already been done. And I was like, damn, okay. <laughs> and so he showed me your passion for the hashing, which is like a mini documentary kind of that you did back in like 14 or 15. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Shout out to Chris Kirk and uh, Garden of Greece and uh, the whole family up there. But th- yeah, that was a really fun experience. Passion for the hashing and really uh, captured a special moment in this quickly evolving space and uh, still fun to watch back, even though it's really kind of like a bit of a scratchy quality documentary for the heads. I think they can really appreciate it in that time. And big shout out to all the people that helped out, you know, and we, some of the great ones were on your podcast too, like Nick T and 
people like that. And so it was just really an honor and fun experience. You know, I, I tell people like this was like this little secret of that is like, you want to get the best out of people and have a great experience, like go over and say you're making a documentary and uh, have them bring forth like the best example. I mean, I think all those people are on point anyways all the time, but it was just really a cool loophole to like get in quickly and really learn a lot. So it just worked out fun. And anybody wants to check that one out on YouTube, it's a classic for the, anyone and we still watch it sometimes and laugh at it for sure all the passion, time. Passion for the hashing. But the passion for the hashing lives on and here we are today, you know? Yeah, that's funny, man. You did have some big guys on there. It was one of the guys that really stood out to me was Fred Morris. Um, yeah, and then, uh, like Morris. you said, yeah, yeah, Nick T and uh, Rasta Ronnie, Rasta Bubble at the time, Rasta Ronnie. Yeah, and it was interesting to see like the quality of what you guys were smoking on back then. And then I remember specifically you, Dustin, you're like puffing on some hemp ice wax and you're like, this is like, history in the making because it kind of was right at the time and even more so because it was a bubble hash made from hemp that's like a miracle in itself but yeah that was really cool and uh yeah that was one of the many moments at nicotine that was amazing he really is a don and holds a really good space in the hash that's why we're so honored to be on here because people like him and mila and everybody real quality just put in so much time and, and education but we had a moment we were trying to film nicotine and we got so blazed uh, that we were just geeking so hard and I had to like <laughs> bathroom and like slap myself and like be like, bro, we got to get this content. We're losing it. And uh, thankfully we got it because he's pretty good with the interviews too. But it was a hilarious moment where I just had, usually I can keep it together on the hash and I was just getting silly, silly. <laughs> That's hilarious, man. Yeah, believe me, I, I know about trying to keep it together sometimes during the interviews or whatever. So it's funny, I can, I can relate. And so, you know, speaking of that, how do you see that things have evolved in the last like six or so years that from that time? Well, let's see, just some big ones, obviously. And we were just on a big solventless kick and that was kind of a real beginning of it. But just seeing obviously the rosin come forward in that interview, actually it wasn't posted, but we're asking the, the different hash makers what they see in the future of cannabis. And Fred Morris says, he sees rosin in the future of cannabis. And that was before the rosin really kicked off. Of course, people have been kind of dealing with it for a long time. And I even saw an old thing about how back in the day, they put the, the dry sift in a towel, bring it near a warm fire and scrape the oil off of it. So ironically, it's been around for a long time, but having to come forward in the dabbing is just like huge, you know, because solving this, we kind of talked about that before, but just how you know, solving this is kind of burst out of like the dabbing movement that BHO kind of set the foundation for ironically, but uh, the, the, the playing field was leveled with the live rosin. And that's just like probably the biggest shift in change that I've seen in the, in that. But what about you, yeah. Preston? What do you yeah. think? Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's from what I knew is uh, growing up there was learning through BHO. You know, I didn't know about too much of the bubble hash community. I don't know. I, it, to me, it wasn't as clean at the time. I don't know how to explain it. It was just always harsh. Every time I tried to dab it, it wasn't even dabbable, you know? Yeah. So never had that good of an experience until, uh, you know, I met this guy and he had flower rosin <laughs> and that like kind of blew my mind. I'm like, wow, you don't have to make BHO anymore. Okay. So fiddle around with that, you know, got to learn through experience of using a hair straightener and then, 
vice grips and all kind of so classy, all kind of ways so to learn classy. to get to a press, you know. So rosin is the future. I mean, it's definitely like an old school thing, but we've educated ourselves to dab in the most highest, highest way. Expression, yeah. That's, like you know, as we talk about, it, it's just kind of capturing that expression of the most primest, most floral, most optimal optimal space of the plant and just really cool that it could be done like that without yeah. any solvents yeah because we you know not bashing anybody's thing but we're like really like wanting people to really you know be aware and put what they're putting into their lungs and stuff and really moving away from the solvent and there's some cool talk that fred morris talks about actually in the documentary about how like you're just dealing with like a cesspool of variables within that solvent and it's just altering things in lots of different ways. And, you know, I definitely don't know this, the deep specifics of it. A lot of people are like really passionate about the science of why solvents all good and stuff. But to us, we're really like the difference is very noticeable. The high is cleaner when it's solventless. And um, for me too, the mental, the mental, uh, kind of a piece of just not having like in the back of my head, is there mist drill in there? Is there lubricants in there? Is there, you know, has it been twisted to a point where it's, you know, going to alter the subtle neurological effects? Like it's deep, yeah. you know, but yeah, that's been our big, probably the biggest cool shift in the history, but not a whole lot too. I mean, there's a lot of cool innovations around that, but it's like, it's cool how I feel like kind of riding a kind of, some people might argue that there's still a lot of big changes going on, but I see it kind of riding a steadiness right now. Mm-hmm. People are starting to kind of figure in and simplify, you know, the formulas of cannabis nowadays. And that's kind of cool in itself, but yeah, the, the live rosin, you know, huge foundation to us here. How funny how we came into it too, from like, not so much the hash rosin first, but the flower rosin first. So we like have a whole lot of experience with flower rosin hilariously, but uh, now we definitely flower rosin has a place, I guess, in certain ways, but we definitely smoke very little of it. And uh, it's funny how it tasted so good at a certain point, but then now you ever taste it back and it's like, so wild you gotta hit it on like really well done yeah you gotta hit it on the lowest temp like like, like, i don't know how we hit it so hot back then (laughs) but uh it it is what it is it it was a great learning lesson and now we're just uh blessed to learn that we can wash press so thankful what a gift and like it's a a a really special time right now yeah really fun to share this and be alive right now It's, it's a gift you know yeah yeah, I agree, man. It's a gift to be alive. And uh, these are interesting times. And as I'm always saying, things are, are shifting quickly. But like you said, some things kind of remain the same. I mean, for example, the the farming aspect, that remains the same. You know, I mean, obviously, there's maybe uh, innovations or in a way also kind of going back to, to more basic and simplified styles of, of growing. And you know, you brought up the word simplification. And last time that we spoke, it came up between both of you quite a bit is that you like to keep things simple, you know, and I think Dustin, even you told me it was like a mantra that you're, you're living by, that you're farming by, you know, Preston, I've got the sensation that Dustin has brought a lot of influence to your life and that you're grateful for that influence. So I'm curious in regards to living simply and gardening simply, what have you learned from him? Um, honestly, I wasn't too much having a green thumb. Like I didn't really garden too much. Like I, I you know, I barely even go outside and pull weeds. Uh, it was not my thing, but uh, 
just from learning from this guy, he's helped me, you know, with the patience and just educating of how simple it is to clean things up and how well everything will get nutrient properly and just simple remedies. You know, it's not like we're doing a whole bunch of no disrespecting to KNFing. We're just doing just simple, simple things out there, you know, just, just from learning through the cannabis it made me want to go outside and like want to grow my own and have my own like vegetables and herbs and fruits to eat off of. It, it's cool knowing that, you know, whatever land you have, use this space. And that's huge to me. So this guy has shined a lot upon me. And now I go outside and just like take care of the land that I rent. You know, it's not like I, I own this place, but I go outside and take care of it and go take care of the garden provide whatever I need. And yeah, it's grateful. I'm blessed just from learning through cannabis. It makes me want to just go outside and do more. Cannabis being such a really great driver for all this and, and the driver even for like our interest in, in even first meeting of our friendship, but seeing Preston kind of take with some simple stuff that I've kind of showed him and run with it is just a testament to like how these simple approaches really work because, um, you know, just Preston being very willing and intelligent in a lot of ways of, you know, approach and methodology and, you know, especially using his hands and things like that. He's really like handy like that. So he just was a great student, picked up, you know, some of the core things. And my formula, a lot of time is just telling people, you know, keep the soil alive. But a lot of it is like teaching people how to use intuition, think for themselves and kind of read the space. And so what's cool here, for example, is Preston just activated a great spot in his yard, which is like a little drier, lower elevation. And it's like the, at first the soil was just dust and dry and like what they call hydrophobic where water can't even penetrate it. And after growing, putting the roots down, building the organic matter in a very short time, it's just like deep, rich, dark, you know, it's that the way I test soil is you like grab a handful of it and you squeeze it and it should be like a snowball. That's like the tilt factor. It has to do with like the life and certain levels of, um, you know, fertility and his soil. He just like brought that soil to life so fast and got a worm bin going and that's just on the food level. And, you know, it's, it's just all yeah. ties in and so cool how the cannabis kind of tricked us into getting super interested in agriculture, not tricked us, but like yeah. blessed us and just really yeah. opened up that door. And, but really just a great proof of concept that these formulas can work for people and they're not, not a lot, you know, it's just, uh, you know, just, you know, using your intuition, keeping the, the moisture levels, right. Airflow, a lot of simple stuff, same stuff that people need, but, uh, yeah, it's a, that's a big honor. And that, that's a big part of our friendship. And it's just like, so great. And same way as just having him, to work together is just so awesome because he's just so confident and capable. A lot of this stuff comes down to, cause it's farm work is just repetition and kind of simple movements. So it's like, it's really about being comfortable and being like steady. And I think a lot of it comes down to, and this is people that like work in, in the plants and stuff know about how you just got to kind of work through taking, you know, de-leafing and getting things set. And it's just kind of your ability to kind of do monotonous shit comfortably yeah. It's, it's part of it, you know. Another yeah. one that's funny is Matt Rise is always saying how really hash makers are like a glorified janitor. And I thought that was pretty funny because in so many ways, you know, we're just like doing these simple kind of repetitive movements, you know, it's a, it's crazy. Yeah. It is it's a it's a labor of love and it's not even that complicated, but it, you know, it is in the sense of nature. 
but yeah. what we do is just <laughs> simple and steady. So simple, easy. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. It's cool. Thankfully at this point it's got turned into an easy, easy process because it's just keeping it simple, but yeah. Good. Thanks. Bro. Yeah. Every time. You told me something along the lines of like, we're wheeling with love and the plants really are the ones that run the show. So yeah. you mentioned uh, activating the land and putting down the layers of organic matter. Talk to us a little bit more about your methodology for creating soil that's alive and that when you pick it up, it has that snowball effect. Yeah, you know, it's pretty simple. A lot of times I just tell people to think about it like almost like a, a soured, uh, yeah, sourdough culture or something that's like kept or even a kombucha where you you kind of keep it at a certain stasis to keep it alive. And that's how I keep my beds, even in the time where it's pretty brief to where we're transplanting and there's nothing in them. We still always keep the beds watered like there's plants in there. And it's just about kind of keeping that consistent. It's not like a soggy feeling, but it's definitely like a, a level of saturation where the, you know, it's almost to, to your look, I'd say it looks like almost like dark and saturated look, but it comes down to a feeling. So riding that, riding that moisture level is a big part of it. We're giving it like um, weekly to bi-weekly teas and ferments, you know, another big factor on a simple level, you can just do tea, you know, simple teas. We just fill up a 55 gallon bucket of water or a trash can of water. And you can add like a little bit of your local soil you know, you can add a couple other little things like maybe a little kelp meal, something like that. But even just a couple handfuls of your local soil and, you know, you could add a little sugar to that or you could just mesh, mash up a piece of rotten fruit in there and stir that in there as like yep. a sugar activator. So a handful of soil and a handful of rotten fruit and like let it sit for a day. And interestingly, that has some amazing effects. You know, it's really like by putting the microbes and the beneficials into water and making a water soluble, that's a real part of the magic that allows it to be done very inexpensively and very effectively. So yeah, keeping it moist, keeping it, keeping it activated with diverse microbes via compost teas, and then just keeping it mulch. You know, those are the things and those go for almost anything, not just cannabis, but that's like our foundation of, uh, but another thing that like I'd say is special that I always tell people is we use in a closed loop, our hash water. That's a special one. So our hash water is being added into that compost tea ferment. We also shout out to Dragonfly Earth Medicine, do some um, plant ferments where sometimes we'll have a big drum or barrel where we chop up a bunch of beneficial herbs and stuff and let those sit in there. And those turn into like a very good concentrated fertilizer and we'll add that into the fresh teas. So that's another one. Let's see. Yeah, pretty basic. That's about it. But the mulch layer is important because that really keeps that moisture level in there. Like I saw a statistic about mulching, it like saves you like, 80% more water or something, yeah. something mind boggling, like just having a layer of organic matter over your stuff, even if it's indoors, whatever. And then we always recommend people have a little space from the organic matter to the stem. Cause for the most part, we don't have any issues, but sometimes if you have too much stuff up against your stem, <laughs> it can create a little difficulty with the plants, especially if they're older plants. Um, so that, you know, keep that little halo around your yeah. root base ring. But that's pretty much it. Like, honestly, in a nutshell, it's beautiful and simple. And we apply that to food. We have food kind of growing near the herb. <laughs> and that's another thing I encourage all people that are, you know, not just growers, but farmers. You know, you grow in some plants, have a little, you know, even if it's indoor, have a pot with some, you know, some veggies going near there, some medicinal or something for making tea with. Just it's, it, it give that a little bit of what you give the, the herb. And it's like, it goes from there. And that's how a lot of our diversification has gone on. But 
when you have it right next to your plants, you always got a little extra to give to it. So it's a great way to kind of get that, get that uh, self-esteem up for just growing all kind of stuff. And, you know, another, I guess another factor within this approach is that instead of like pushing anything like, you know, okay, it's feeding time. We're going to give them big nitrogen or we're going to give them big phosphorus or yeah. potassium or whatever. We actually just keep that soil out of, at a healthy space and let the plant draw from it what it wants, when it wants. And I think that's something special that gives us a certain edge or not gives us an edge, but it gives our plants a level of um, expression that, you know, other stuff wouldn't get because it's just getting force fed things where it doesn't get those subtleties, you know? Yeah. And you guys told me that you are hand watering. So Preston, based on what Dustin said, I'm curious how you get that feel for like the proper moisture level when you are hand watering these to make sure that you're not like overwatering or, or underwatering since you don't really have a lot of experience farming outside of that. You just got to get the right ratio. It's uh, all of like, let's see, we just put in the ice first. Or he's referring to, I think just like kind of like the right saturation of like the bed in like how we not overwater even. Oh, the in the garden. What do you, cause it's different, different elevations, obviously My bad. take that different thing. No, totally. So what do you, how do you gauge your moisture content? Like in a garden at a lower elevation, for example, your plant? shoot. I mean, uh, it, it, it all depends because every time I dig for another little patch, sometimes I've had some dry pockets. I'm like, okay. So that means I need to add a little bit more water at the time. But so that's a good way to test it for people, you know, just go down and feel it a couple inches underneath the surface. Yeah. Does it have that certain saturation of, you know, darkness, moisture? Can you feel the moisture in it? You know, and there's a whole lot of places, people that dry, grow a lot of herb is really dry. So that would be kind of re related to Preston's spot here because it's very dry. So he could, he could take a lot of water here. Yeah, I can. Mine has to take a lot of water. So that's why whenever it rains over here, I'm like really blessed because then it's really helping every inch around it as well but uh one of the things that i like to do is give it a nice pre-soak before i dig a hole and add some whatever i'm putting in but that that would be a good indication of how okay my soil is pretty good over here or like there's some spots that just have a little bit more dry drier spots i don't know maybe just because the sun's hitting it more but um yeah it's just a well, a nice plain different altitude levels of being down here in town where it's just super hot and dry. And then while his place is higher up in the mountains and it's just a lot more moisture and more rain to provide. Like we're at about like baby I, I, I tend to water almost every other day. Right. Give every or take, other day. You know, just on a steadiness. And so it just depends, but with, when you, a big thing about our thing is that it's in the ground too. And that I can't stress enough is a huge part of the success because yeah. it kind of does its own level of equal, equalizing that moisture. So mm -hmm. another example is my spot is like, or where, where the garden is, is very shallow soil. Actually, it was, a, it was just, that's, that's kind of a part of the story of the mother rock too, because we have this very, uh, what they call a uh, blue rock was a very dense, hard, mineral rich rock out here. That's yeah. like, like very hard and we don't have a whole lot of depth. So we built the soil up on top of that. And so, you know, it does get good drainage, but also it kind of just goes down to rock. And so, but anyways, being in the ground is a huge factor of just kind of making it smoother for that because I really see, and even notice for myself in certain staging zones, the pots have the way ability to dry out and, you know, conduct heat against the roots and all that stuff. So 
a big success, I think, is just initially going in the ground and having no, no, um, what do they call it? No inhibition or no limitation of those right. roots structures. And that's a big factor of keeping that soil nice. And it won't maybe let you over water it because it'll just run, run through because it's alive and it has drainage and we got worms in there. Yeah. You know, but there is a, there's a fine line and that, that takes definitely the intuition of like not going to mucky, but right. Preston's place here, it almost couldn't get mucky because it can take it and it's so dry and then there's just so much, you know, heat and, and, you know, stuff. So it just depends yeah. on the space, but you can get away with, I think, you know, if they're in the ground every other day, you know, depending, but that's where you really got to gauge it. And the, the hand trick is a good one when they're in the ground, you know, the pot lift and the pot feel is a classic one for in the nursery, but. Yeah. yeah, that's a, that's an important factor, though. I think really just getting comfortable with that sweet spot of uh, of what the plants like. But I also have a nursery that gets super rained on and almost gets oversaturated. And with the same approach, you can still get away with that, too. And they handle. So, yeah, it's cool. It gives up. you enough buffer to where you can't, you know, you're not going to like kill it fast like a hydro or a rock wool situation within 24 hours or something not <laughs> working. You know, it's like there's a buffer of natural helpers there. Yeah, we're taking such advantage of what we have here for, you know, we can grow four seasons throughout the whole year. And then what we do is put it straight to the ground, use all ground of Hawaii. We use all the sun, you know, besides the greenhouse, that's the only thing that's covering you know, the, the premium stuff. I mean, there's other patches that we grow outside as well. And that's taking everything from rain to sun and it's just a great advantage. It's something know? special out here, even with the produce, the uh, volcanic soil, you know, yeah. everybody talks about it in the agricultural crops, but it definitely seems to prove true in the resin crops as well. So it's like just a testament to the, you know, incredible fertility of this land out here. And it's pretty awesome. It definitely helps us out a lot and makes it easier than uh, some situations where people got to go from straight dust there you know i could i I, that'd be an interesting challenge and you know you could do it it would just take a different approach but yeah we're already blessed with uh everything compost fast out here everything you got a pile of sticks you got a pile of mulch you know it gets moist and like within a year it's black gold so yeah it's really pile things up right it's just yeah you can take a sweet advantage with everything money in the bank we call that banking you know you just set, set banking, it and forget yeah. it come back and go underneath it and it's just like worm castings and then that right there you could just take a handful of that and throw it in a tea and boom you know it's like one handful and 55 gallons of water is like all we do and it's like mind-boggling it's yeah. like we're just it's so simple it's like kind of caveman science and it, it checks out you know if you looked at it under a mic and stuff or, or you know a microscope it's all there but it's we just keep it on a simple level and don't pretend to fully understand it it's just uh these kind of special motions we've learned to go through yeah in different altitudes it's awesome yeah that's cool man i mean for sure it seems like it's simple, but effective. And I mean, so, and that was part of the, the other thing is you told me is like, you guys really try to cut the waste. And like you said, uh, you, you use the hash water and that's part of like your whole concept of like natural farming, at least from what I've taken from it is like, you guys aren't trying to bring in a lot. You're trying to keep it, you know, in this kind of closed loop. Uh, I know you are bringing in some things which we can talk about a little bit later, but yeah. Yeah, the, the, I want to talk about the microclimates. I definitely want to talk about like how deep, because I know you said the your soil really isn't that deep, but for right now, let's switch the pace a little and let's talk about 
cannabis as a guide because Dustin, you mentioned to me, and I think you even mentioned it on Passion for the Hashin, that mm-hmm. you started blazing at 12. Mm-hmm. And then from that time on, you expressed to me that really the the plant has been kind of a, a guiding force for you, including going to Hawaii. So tell us more about that. Yeah, I'll try to keep that in a nutshell because I, I get going off on a passionate rant with this one. But uh, yeah, really from a young age, felt very moved by the effects of the cannabis plant. Just had a really genuine connection with it. I just felt like for me, I was a kid that they were like, oh, you know, he might have ADHD, da, 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 which I'm kind of on the fence about that concept. But it's something that dialed my brain chemistry in really well. I was able to focus. I was able to feel calm in, in my in myself. Basically, felt like it activated like my natural perception of life, you know, and intuition, and even um, kind of humility and perspective. So, great reaction from a young age. Always drawn to it. Different people in it, and um, yeah, I would just say I I started hitting a point where I was like kind of just really interested in pursuing agriculture. And I lived in um, Western Massachusetts at the time, which interestingly is a pretty good ag movement over there, but didn't really see it right under my nose as much as, you know, so the cannabis really, in a sense, inspired me. And then, you know, through a lot of different factors, but I was just really just always so, you know, inspired by like the concept of what I felt like Hawaii represented to me as like a, a an outsider and a person learning about it. I just felt like Hawaii to me represented like a level of like freedom natural life, you know, connected with tradition and, and also intelligence of indigenous ancestry. All those things were kind of in my in my mind about Hawaii. That combined with my love for the plant, um, a couple of friends recommended me going into an ag internship program out here in Hawaii. So um, I came out here with a good friend at a young age. I think I was like 17 when I came out. My folks kind of like signed off for me to like go on that mission because it was under, you know, a little bit of a focus of agriculture and education, you know, but my folks really had a lot of trust and uh, they've been a big support in this whole thing for a long time. So I'm super thankful for their encouragement, you know, even though the plant for a long time has been really freaking people out and uh, blowing people's minds and being really on the, on the, uh, you know, the whatever you don't want to call it in society, you know, demonized and kind of confused. But yeah, was drawn to the agricultural component. Cannabis being a big part of that came out, dropped into some really fortunate situations, living, working as a part of the WOOF program, which is like, I don't know if it's still the same, but it was willing workers on organic farms, something like that. Yes, it was. Yeah. And so that's like, they'll kind of put you in different situations where you can go work, trade, you know, there's all different stuff. So it came out. And just really just learn from some great people, you know, a couple of names would be like John Balloon was this one character who is a real influence for me. Um, there's a bunch of different ones, but it, yeah, really got some good guidance from, you know, that little bit older generation, you know, some would say like kind of that hippie generation of people that kind of really went in on the farming as well as, you know, a lot of, like the, the, Hawaii, the Hawaiian agricultural traditionally out here is very intelligent and very advanced. And it was like blowing everybody's minds throughout history. So there's, a, that's a big thread in it too, is just learning from, you know, people here that have, you know, been uh, living on the land and, you know, perpetuating, you know, the roots and culture and traditions of agriculture here. So that combination and also the big acceptance, love, and history of cannabis out here, you know, those all came together. And I think just we're very blessed and encouraging in the saga. But yeah, I'm just kind of blown away. And I am on this like 
kind of a magic carpet ride with this plant. And uh, it's just been so giving to me. And I willingly say that I just like work for the plant and it consumes a lot of my, you know, awareness, time and passion of many of my days. And even with that being said, it just gives and brings so much to everything, health, well-being. And, you know, that's like, that's like a uh, plant medicine in general too, like referring to, you know, certain other natural levels of psychedelics. I'm a real proponent of mushrooms and things like that. So, but the hash is the same way for me and the cannabis is the foundation of the hash and the farming is all part of that. So coming in from that, that level too, really gave me a good ability to kind of be where I'm at today because it was kind of from the bottom up and yeah, it's, and I'm still learning so much every day. The backyard's like a laboratory. I'm humbled all the time. I like to put, do all kinds of experiments. Me and Preston are always doing all kinds of experiments and just like giving things the bare minimum and seeing what that plant will still do. And every time, as soon as it hits that good dirt, it just gives and gives and gives and everything. So, but yeah, big inspiration to come out here. It's still kind of a mystery, but also clear to me and the big thread between our friendship and, you know, still kind of revealing between our friendship to Shrug and big up yourself. And uh, yeah, the cannabis unites us like that and has brought so much well-being to us already. It's like, it's really cool. Yeah, I agree, man. And Preston, you told me you came from a household where cannabis wasn't necessarily viewed as a positive. So you didn't really start smoking until later. You had kind of an early experience that wasn't so great. And at what point did like you get inspired to to really kind of start connecting more with cannabis? See, I mean, it was just more like a, a socializing thing over here for me, you know, like with my friends, we just gather around, everybody has their herb and, you know, we're just always hanging out. It was just a socializing thing for me. Take some mulchies. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I got into mulchies. I don't know if you know what a mulchi is. Okay. So mochi I don't, I don't. Is a, a ha- not hash, but a cannabis and tobacco, you know, so spliff for, okay. but yeah, you take it in a bomb. <laughs> okay. Okay. You do like, some people do ratios between like 30% buds and then 70% tobacco. And then you have like shredded up to the finest grind and hit it, you know? And that, that just hits you in a whole different zone because you're just basically smoking tobacco too. Isn't For sure. Good? Yeah. In a big hit. In a weird way. Yeah. It's uh, but a classic part of the youth culture out here, you know, yeah, big, big youth, bong yeah. hits, bong hit snaps, mulchies, gone. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that it, that's just what it was. It was just a socializing thing for me. And then uh, how did I get to this? We're just saying like, well, like your, your first time when you really got into it and like enjoyed it. What, yeah, was, yeah. what was the foundation of that for you? Yeah, I mean, it was just made me feel Good. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, yeah, like the ADHD type of thing. But like, I have like, a, you know, just a crazy mind, always like up, hyper. I don't know how to explain High it. High metabolism. Me and Preston are pretty, in a lot of ways, Matt, he even has more energy than me, but we both are like pretty high energy people. So it does feel like <clears> it yeah. works good with the, the brain chemistry like that to just kind of focus, simplify yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's just been a big help for me growing up just to calm myself down and not have to take all of these. But, like, my parents used to send me to, like, uh, therapy and make me take, like, I don't even know what the hell they were anymore. What is that? Adderall? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm just, 
it's just good that I don't have to take that. I can take control of my, my own life just by consuming some hash or some flour, you know? And it's not like, to me, it's not addicting, you know? Like I can always like control myself and step away and like get work done. You know, I've, I've had that point of being a lazy kid and just smoke, smoke, smoke. You know, no, no disrespect. Like, yeah, you can wake up and freaking smoke and people smoke in Hawaii hard. hard. Like a lot of places smoke hard, but it's like almost different. And like, it's really like it's, people want you to get like hash drunk. Yeah, there's like, definitely a certain level of like one upping to like this, the how stone people get. But it's just like part of it. And uh, I like that. But it's also like I just want to like tell the youth out there to just be really like aware and careful and cautious because these are powerful things, you know? Yeah. And not to say the youth, but like the young adults, you know, because that's why I feel like is where people can really receive that medicine. I was using that at a young age was great. I never had anybody kind of like initiate me or teach me the ways to like do it. And I feel like that's a big important part of just like, Oh, like imagine like somebody that's a little older you than you or an elder. And just instead of being like, Oh, like this is a sketchy drug or whatever. They're like, listen, like this is a super aid of health, well-being, meditation, clarity of thought. And you can use it different ways. It's all about kind of what you put into it and how you react on it, you know? And I think if that was taught, it could just go so much further. It already has gone so far. Like we didn't need anybody to really tell us. And we still found that out, but I just think, you know, through that and even with these really strong, beautiful concentrates, you know, they can blow people's minds. And I definitely always try to like, even myself, you know, like I smoke all day, every day, but I'll take that one big hit. We talk about that and you just go to go to school, you go to church and just have to (laughs) humble yourself and, you know, go through the motions. And um, but yeah, that's part of the magic of it, too, is like, you know, we were talking about the anxiety thing, too, last time. I thought that was a good point of just like. A lot of people are saying they experience an anxiety feeling these days, you know, maybe yeah. seemingly more than ever, but that's kind of um, what the herb makes me feel sometimes, but having to overcome that and that moment is what is like strengthening. And, yeah. you know, I just think that's what, you know, could help people as a training tool to like help them overcome anxious moments or whatever, just realize like, okay, you know, I'm going to breathe through this. I'm going to, you know, know that I'm going to be all right. Yeah. It's just in the yourself. bottom of your mind. So yeah, it's powerful stuff though. Everybody be respectful of it and, uh, you know, thankful to have been yeah. humbled by it many yeah. times. Yeah. I think last time you said something like it's hash can be and other plant medicine, obviously, but in this case, specifically hash can be a cheat code into getting into a meditative state. If you, Yes. Yeah. I guess flow I accepted that way. Flow right. state. And that's the state that I really think people need to look look for. We do find it different ways, but you know, whether you're being an artist, whether you're just being happy or whatever, that that space is really where you can achieve awesome stuff and the, the cannabis and different things can allow that to be there, you know, just like meditation or all these other things. But the cannabis is like a really cool, fast activating way and a fast way to receive medicinal effects too, even as opposed to an edible or whatever, like a dab with somebody that knows how to do it and his understanding of it can be like, boom, such quick delivery and effectiveness. Right. Know? This guy is just a very well, excellent teacher, you know, like growing up where, I don't know, I didn't learn the proper way. We're always just trying to get stoned, like not like the good kind of medicinal way. We're just smoking, 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 just going through whatever stash we have. And then learning from this guy, he's made me learn like, no, man, like we, we can get flavor out of it. You can also like conserve with what you have too. You just got to do it a certain way, whether it's flour or hash, 
you know, it's the, the type of hit you take, like how much pressure you put on it. And it's right. like, it's so amazing how you can get so high off of a little bit if you're not, if you're just really trying to get there with it. Right. And uh, Absolutely. that goes both ways too, because Preston, I feel like watching Preston take dabs, I'm like, this guy has like the most efficient dab regimen and just the way he hits it too. Like I'll take a dab and I'll have some puddle left, but Preston takes a dab and it's just like totally beautifully, like evenly gone. You know, yeah, it's really like interesting. Too much burn. Yeah, it's, not even there. It's so cool. And all that is special to the times, but uh, it's a trip. But uh, I kind of lost the train of thought there. But Basically, it's just great that we've been learning off of each other, you know, like, back and forth whether it and comes to cleaning. And experimenting, too. We like That's what we do a lot of is just, you try this, you try this. Preston, like, really knows a lot about, you know, the cleaning and technicalities of the glass and different things like that, the courts and... I don't know. It just really is. We, we put it all to the test, including our product and stuff too. You know, we really sit down with it, talk back and forth and feel the effects. And, you know, there's a lot of data crunching and great building back and forth and learning, but yeah, you know, it's cool. And a lot of the stuff, the same way, I just want to shout out the community of people on Instagram. And even like, even though it's such a bittersweet thing, like Instagram is such a phenomenal tool of learning about this and connecting people. Yeah. You know, it's ironic that it's also like a very addictive kind of weird spinning social tool of manipulation. But yeah. on the other side of it, we're, you know, it's really profound. You know, I've learned a lot of these different things through just like studying different people, reading comments, you know, reading between the lines, you know, same way. You got to be careful which air out on there. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's really cool. And, you know, connected us and been a great tool of education for all this. And, you know, can't can't not shout it out as funny as that sounds, you know. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, what's funny what stood out to me last time from talking to you guys is, you know, Dustin, you said that Preston brings like a very creative element to the team. And one of the things that you found really cool about him is he's able to use Instagram well, but not like get caught up in living that life, you know? So, and, and you guys obviously are out there doing your thing. You know, I, I think I heard you on something else, Preston, where you said you guys are riding like 10 to 20 miles a day on the one wheelies or whatever they're called. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> Shrago, uh, you're going to need to get one of those, too, because the thing, all half smokers need to have one wheels and will enjoy one wheel riding. So it's, it's, it's weird. It's but, mandatory to but, have. Uh, Take it away, man. Take it away. Preston. Yeah. I mean, what were we doing? We're, it's called the Iron Wheel. Yeah, we said it. This was kind of like a journey <laughs> in our friendship that we did with another friend of ours. But Preston came up with the idea and like crunched a lot of the logistics with our buddy John. And we basically did like a a, a marathon ride of these one wheels. Shout out one wheel. Um, yeah, like one wheel electrical, oh, electrical device <clears throat> that, you know, just basically floats on one wheel using a balance and a gyro kind of technology when we rode him around the island and uh profound man and i'm gonna let preston take it away too because i just want preston to kind of explain like what he's kind of created with the one wheel and the hash and i don't know it's just kind of a brilliant combo you know tell him about how you kind of just like so i mean just being able to learn off the one wheel is just through through the friends that i've worked with and got to know and very grateful for this device because it's helped me bring out the inner kid in me again, like something I wish, like, wow, like therapy, his, therapy. his son rides it and it makes me be like, man, how come I didn't have this when I was a kid? You know, the things I used to do, like skateboard to stores, like, yeah, I, I, I wish I had that device back then. But yeah, we, 
one wheeled the whole island and that was about 280 miles, something like that. And it was just like a two and a half day event. We did it like day straight. We just four, did it straight. 6 a.m. to 4 a.m. on the next day, just one wheeling. Would you hack? It was awesome. We had, yeah. kind of had to do it straight because of like weather and kind of avoiding traffic. It's actually a pretty dangerous road. So it's so, not like something we're like, yo, everybody should go do that. No. But, no. It was really special and kind of fun because it was like the first time anybody's kind of ever gotten to do that. But uh, it was it was classic. But the hash played a big role in that the too. Hash the hash played a big role. Performance yeah. enhancing. All, you know, the hash is like a magical tool, especially in the hands of somebody that knows how to use it. And like for just endurance things and things like that. Like I don't know. We were just in the zone and uh, keeping us up. That yeah, was great. And we just did it, and it went off without a hitch, and was really like safe and really awesome experience. I'll never forget it. And we like pushed ourselves pretty hard with it, but also, you know, we're able to do it. And yeah, that was a really fun part, but Preston's really like kind of woven the two cultures together. And like I said, it's like a big thing. Like a lot of people that really enjoy hash really like, like riding these one wheels and like, it's really fun to be high on them and just get out on it and like come up with your different routes and new ideas. And it's kind of this beautiful, they go really fast. They are pretty dangerous, but they also have this ability to just be right in this sweet speed realm that you don't, that you can have a lot of fun and not hurt yourself. Cause me, that's what I do. Cause I'm a little old man style on it, but yo, but you know, Preston just really created this buzz with it by making these like really artistic clips and like, you know, merged it with like our product and stuff like that. And I just think like that, the lifestyle and like just the energy behind his humor and stuff really kind of was like a build up to why so much people appreciate what's going on. It's kind of a combination of like definitely the quality and effects, but also just like the vibe behind it and the, the like, you know, not say like the lifestyle with the lifestyle. It is. Well, that's the thing. It was just basically showing off my lifestyle of what I do. This is what I do for a living every day. One wheel and smoke hash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it seems pretty fun, man. I, I think that's probably why most people are vibing with it, you know? Like uh, for I, sure. I'd be down with that. Yeah, I you gotta come like, out, bro. You do it, got it. You know, I wouldn't say I'm like the one that started it because I learned off other people. There's glass blowers that I that I knew in the hash community. There's other hashers, you know. I would say I'm like uh just inspired with all the others, and it was just fun to share my life. Mm-hmm. you know and then pass it on to everybody else we we're all inspired every time we watch someone's story you know each other's stories and we're like all right let's take a dab and then let's go freaking ride <laughs> and a lot of the one wheel community out there too not the blow spot but it just feels like cannabis and, th- and things of like fun are really like a big part of it too so it's Huge. like they all they push each other's envelopes and everything grows together it's like it's kind of like disc golf too it's just kind of like culturally part of the sport i feel like at least out here, <laughs> you just love to get, get iry and, you know, do things physical. That's the other thing too, is just getting outside, getting physical, especially yeah. in these funny times where it's like just being outside is just so key and getting physical and, you know, being together. And like you said, just bringing out the inner child, the inner child is a major key. The hash is part of that, you know, Huge. the one wheel is part of that, but like, that's a really important thing of like keeping the joy and you know yeah you're keeping the being all stress and yeah mind control self mind control yeah absolutely (laughs) yeah so another thing you brought up that hadn't i hadn't really thought about consciously maybe last time is preston is really talented at presentation and you said something that kind of struck a chord with me because 
after the fact, I was like, yeah, that's true. There's like almost perfect amount of rosin in the jar and how it sits in there and how it looks and the art and definitely. yeah talk to us about your process rosin i mean i don't know what i just said <laughs> let me just give him an introduction and let him take it away real quick because yeah preston uh he's such a brilliant mat- meticulous guy that it just, it really has brought forward everything in such a great way. And it's not just in like aesthetics, but also in like his artistic vision too. He's like, uh, it is uh, hopefully someday that account comes back so people can see all the, the beautiful clips because he's put so much time and effort into it. But you just catch a few of his clips here and there, but they're just so clean. The attention to detail and in our, in our world too, like everybody's trying to nitpick your shit and find something wrong with it. So it's like, he really keeps it so clean but uh i just want to say he, he brings so much to the table with that the aesthetics and the 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 the, the look of everything is so much preston brings to it so thank you for all that you do and like tell him tell him where that comes from bro i mean i just you know back when i was having to instagram learning off everybody the there's plenty of companies out there that i learned off the you know 710 labs and uh, shout out 710 labs definitely yeah hash house um Real Deal Resin, those are like a huge inspiration watching them, how they always had like a nice little baller jars and how they always like, you know, showed it off. So they were just a huge inspiration. Like I'm not like the one being like, oh, I'm the original. I'm never Mm -hmm. the original. I'm just inspired from others and then just creating it through our platform, our our lifestyle. Yeah, uh, and for sure, man. I mean, I think everybody really ends up being a, a result of influences from all these other people or all these other things and their yeah. experiences. But like when you are putting rosin into a jar, how do you know it's that's enough? Or like, that's, I mean, obviously weight wise, but like the placement of it, is it just the eyeball thing where it's almost like an artist where you gotta, you just see it and that's right. We sat together on that and actually talked about it. And it's like, it's actually from a bit, from a bit of like back and forth of like sizing of jars, the color of jars, to amount per jar. Yeah. And, you know, give them a little bit of that. Yeah, of like, it took time. You know, there's people that like to do feedback, similar. a lot of good feedback, yeah, always getting feedback. There's people that, you know, like, uh, I personally am not a fan of buying a single gram jar. Like, I do not like that. It goes by way too quick for me. It's unpleasant. <laughs> I have all these jars. <laughs> you know, like I don't mind two grams. Okay, cool. Two grams. But like personally, 3.5 is just so nice to have. You can like scrape it and it'll feel like forever or you can just take big globs. And, and it looks fuller in that size it. jar too. Yeah. It fits that jar perfectly. We were, we were looking at like the, how the gram looked and this and that. It looks okay in a smaller jar, but you know, if you're doing like a fresh, I've seen a funny one too, not, not to call anybody out, but I've seen like a fresh pressed gram in a black jar <laughs> and it looks like there's nothing in there <laughs> and you don't know where to scrape from. And you feel like I just got like a point three out of that thing. And yeah. <laughs> so that's really like, that'd be a downfall in that situation. But you know, really that feeling of like more of a fullness also, you know, just simplifying it because we're so simple and small of just having like a little bit more of an amount. So people got to commit. And it makes less work, less packaging. Preston for a long time and to this day, it does a lot of recycling of jars and things like that. And is a passionate, like, you know, cleans up, cleans up trash everywhere kind of guy, like big hats off to Preston like that. But um, 
just simplifying it like that and making the volume be like a little bit more of a commitment for people, but also it's like, it kind of weeds out the, like the nitpickers and the, yeah, absolutely. The short changers and all yeah. that, you know, like, and that's, that's Double a big, too big part of it too, you know, and respect and just a big shout out to our whole community and everybody. We just like received so much love and support. A lot of that is just, you know, Preston being the person he is and just uh, being straightforward with people and being really on it. And yeah, it's really in all the situations that we're so thankful, you know, just want to put that out there. Everybody's continued support has just been very encouraging and even feedback, you know, another cool thing on that platform is you can just get direct feedback and uh, we'll do that with like hearing what people want more of or what people think about what, you know, and it's just, that's a really cool part of it. So we really play that into it and bounce that back and forth between each other too, you know, to just kind of. Or even visual feedback, you know, sometimes we'll see something that we didn't like and then we'll be like, let's keep that in mind. Yeah. We didn't, if that was unpleasant to our eyes, let's never have that in our, in, uh, in our, <laughs> for example, uh, people's dab videos when they have a carb cap and they're sh- sh- in the car- shaking the carb cap up against the glass all loud, like clink, 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 clink. or some, you know, like, uh, it's kind of hard to see, but or specifics, but we're always like tagging each other and things back and forth. Like, Oh, do you see this? Look at this. What do you think? Oh, that, look at that. So, yes. so, you know, we're learning off other people too, whether negatively, positively. Yeah. Or seeing somebody get, get, get super roasted and something like, okay, we know we yeah, gotta make we sure got- we don't do do that keep the wool hairs out of there you know all this stuff we had a joke though like if anybody ever found a wool hair we'd like hook them up uh, but we don't want any wool hairs in it so we're really careful about that and all the steps of grading are a big important part of it especially with a small batch but absolutely the aesthetics and stuff is really it's a science and preston brings a lot of that to the table and you know also i gotta say it's his complimentary level of OCD, to be honest, because he's also a man of many t- talents and it's like a very skilled detailer as well as... Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm OCD, but very detailed. Yeah, like, compliment- yeah. complimentarily. Because my wife's OCD, so I know OCD and I'm going to have to go ahead and say press is a little bit OCD. <laughs> yeah, I've, you know, I've been detailing cars for... Shoot, how long? Almost uh, 10 years. No, longer than that. 14 years. Got the wizard, man. Detailing cars. And then, you know, just my mom forcing me to clean the house. So very detail-oriented. Keeps a good house out there, man. This guy's a a catch like that, for sure. Yeah, it's it's just blessed being able to uh, have that kind of etiquette. Because, you know, some people don't have that etiquette. And then when you go to a homie's house and then they have their setup and it's just looking so dirty <laughs> water's all murky those are all like resin is just all black and hairy and it's just we're, we're uh, definitely it's like a, yeah. we've blown our minds like that to where we're like absolute snobs like we won't disrespect people but yeah. we have our feelings and it's like you know it's a blessing and a curse but a blessing overall because the quality is there and man if, it's like a, so if we're taking it back if a rig has been smoked with any bho in it i'm gonna taste that on my hit of smoking rosin like, yeah. and if you, somebody, the way you tell somebody smoking good, go, go look at their pipe and take a hit of that water. And if that water tastes like flowers, like, you know, they're smoking clean solventless or some really, maybe really good BHO, but usually not because BHO has that weird something in it. Like, and I can tell, so, and yeah. it was just alter your dab. And then it's, you know, as much as it is like, and now we figured out how to keep a nail perfectly clean with proper temp and proper cleaning. So that's a huge one too, is like, you know, even the, a little Chaz, you can still get a good dab, eat them out of a Chaz banger, but like you can clean up a Chaz banger. And you can too. clean up a Chaz banger too. There's actually like ways you can refurbish them now. So we're living in the future like that. Yeah. It's great. But um in the washroom and stuff, taking it back to his uh, meticulous 
complimentary and meticulous nature. It just <laughs> all plays out in there. And he's always kind of raising the bar for me too. And uh, I, I'm thankful for that because like, that's what we strive for. It's just the cleanliness and like the, you know, just nothing else, nothing else but the product. And, you know, it really is nice to have that in the, in the formula. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. It's always interesting to see how people's skills translate, you know, and obviously I think being detail oriented is a highly useful skill in a lot of senses. You know, I'm, I'm kind of similar in that sense too. You know, I, small things add up to bigger things. Right. So but Preston, tell me a little bit about your inspiration for the recycled jars, because, you know, props to you on that, man. I, I dig that. I think maybe Solmanless Mind used to do something like that or still something or still does something like that. So, uh, yeah, just talk to us a little bit about that. Uh, so I used to work at Atlas Recycling, and that is, a, you know, a recycling center where we take care of like, our high fives, Hawaii five bottles. You know, so, I mean, I, I used to do that and uh, that's pretty much similar to that. You know, you're just recycling with what you have. You kind of, in a way, saving the planet in a way and also saving your, your wallet. It's nice being able, there's people out there that have boxes and boxes of jars and just don't know what to do with it, you know, so it, it's nice being able to be like, oh, you know, I, like I'll take the jars and some people are willing to clean it for me. And that's like a huge thing because cleaning is just like another like huge process of putting it, you know? So like sometimes I'm grateful with getting new jars rather than used jars. You can't be too picky. Sometimes you're hurting or sometimes you ran out of new jars and oh, good thing I got all these used jars. Clean them up, sanitize them really good. Like I try to make sure I get all the resin of, the last sticker or the last hash make sure it's clean bone to dry and people should be washing their clean jars anyways like yeah, that too and, exactly uh, it's, jars. it's such a disgrace all the plastic packaging and the cannabis out there so it's like the glass is a must and uh that the level of recycling is just another step in the right direction but yeah i definitely think all the results are in and everybody should you know respect their product enough to put it in something like that and if it's not in something like that people should question like you know question it and since we're on the subject i've seen you use multiple size jars like i think i saw you in the future cannabis project you had a big jar that i if maybe was laser cat you said yeah yeah it was a laser cat jar i just wanted i just wanted that jar (laughs) i love that laser cat another one too and also i want to compliment all your graphic work of an art behind the hashishin and all your artists really awesome but Laser Cat too. They have a real kind of cool, edgy vibe of their own too. And yeah, they got a good system. It's cool. Down. We definitely studied them. And when all the jars come back in and recycling too, that's a good way to just study them and like uh, check them all out. One thing that I've seen a couple people do that me and another friend were talking about now, and now it's probably going to really be a thing soon. But this guy, this homie, Rare Extracts has these really cool jars where he'll do like it's like two different flavors in the jar. And it might be more common where you've seen it too, but I yeah, just thought that was nice. really cool. If you could do like a sampler jar with maybe four grams or two to three grams of different flavors in there, 
even though I guess there could be a certain like, real, like be too much. real picky people too, too would be like the air picky. contamination of turfs is like no bueno. <laughs> but but uh, I just thought that's cool. Just like these little things that can kind of just bring more depth to people's experience. Cause if I was like, boom, popped open a little two of the best flavors of, or two, you know, that would just be fun. And then another thing that we really like to do and mess around with is like certain mixes, you know, and that would be a cool way that people could almost on the spot barista their own, you know, a little something special there, you know? Dunkaroos. Yeah, for sure, man. I feel like the blends are kind of one of your specialties and we'll definitely tap into that, uh, you know, down down the line in the interview. But I'm thinking right now is maybe a good opportunity for a smoke break. You guys down? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know we are, Sean. <laughs> All right, cool. Shout out to our homies and sponsors, Powers Plates, the small batch rosin press company. You can visit them at powersplates.com. That's P-O-W-E-R-S plates.com or on Instagram at powersplates. They were the first ones to bring anodized platens to the market because since the very beginning, Powers Plates' main priority has been making the highest grade equipment that they can, which is something that I really personally respect because I feel like if you're going to do something, you should do it the best that you can. And that's exactly what these guys have done, which is why I'm stoked to be working with them. Rosin presses aren't all that different in function, but they do differ in quality because it's the parts inside your press that really make the difference. Originally, Powers Plates was a side project to make high-grade rosin presses for the local homies. And although Powers Plates has grown and they've made their high-grade rosin presses more readily available to you, nothing has changed in the quality. They're still selling you the presses that they would sell their homies. They're still being machined locally in Portland, Oregon. They're still being assembled and tested one by one in Scott's garage. And more importantly, they're still all about quality. So you can rest assured that when you get a set of Powers Plates, all the components that make up your rosin press are of the highest quality possible. Yes, they're a little more than some of the other systems out there, but as with everything in life, you typically get what you pay for. They've also just dropped their prices $100 on their rosin kits, and you can use our exclusive savings code, the letters THI, standing for the Hashish in, to save an additional $75. So together, that's $175 off the highest grade rosin press on the market, which comes in a nifty Pelican case that serves as your PID controller. So don't skimp on yourself or your craft and pick up your favorite hash makers, favorite hash makers rosin press at powersplates.com. That's P-O-W-E-R-S plates.com. And don't forget to use our exclusive savings code, the letters T-H-I to save $75. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. All right, so let's jump back into blends, man, since we were on it. You know, Preston, this is another area that you mentioned where you have your role. You know, you keep kind of inventory as to what you guys have been putting out, and that's dependent on what's in the garden, what's available. And we talked about, like, even different ratios creating different types of blends. So talk to us about your process a little. I mean, yeah, it all depends on what we have in the freezer what's available you know so like i have a list on my notes of what blends we've gone through and like you know i try to look back and be like have we done this one already oh yeah this this is the one that people like we're loving the most you know maybe we should try to do this one again and then sometimes we'll switch it up like uh, we were doing papaya grape spotty spotty 
Spotty. Yeah, papaya grape spotty. We're okay. doing yeah, that. Yeah. We're still trying to figure that one out. Spotty or spotty, but it's a cool, cool strain. I guess it's it is purple punch by black banana. But anyways, spotty but yeah. spotty. Yeah. So I mean, that is a really great blend that everybody was just loving. And then we would have had that option to do it again. And I switched it up. I'm like, you know what? Let's try to do a sour candy grape spotty, you know? So that one was a great, unique flavor too. I mean, personally, I don't think it hit as great as with, with the, with the papaya, but still it's nice to just switch it up, <laughs> like get the feedback on what everybody else thinks, if they liked it more, or if they like the papaya more or, yeah, that was a cool you know, blend. So. I've been actually smoking on that blend this week steadily. And uh, like you said, that one in the clash of like dominance, the sour tangy reigned a little more supreme. And then the grape spot is more on the back end. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's cool. It's good. It's different. That sour tangy is just really good and special, but very dominant. And uh, when it go when the grape spotty goes with the papaya, it does this really cool and uh, great nerds rope thing yeah. that is just like, so special. I mean, if you could ever like make anything almost better tasting than papaya, because the papaya is so great, but when you throw that grape back end on it, and that's why this blend thing is kind of cool and special. I know people have their feelings about the blend and like right. some people don't like it. And I, we're definitely like constantly making blends and then even naming them special names and that the name thing, the name game gets tricky with people. And we always try to be transparent though, what it is when people ask, of course, but, right. and it's sometimes it's just kind of fun and funny. Like we'll taste it and we'll kind of, adjust the name accordingly and stuff like that. And then there's certain ones that are like a real hit that we'll just roll with, but the proprietary blend is kind of fun and special and uh, it gives people more access to these more ideal kind of blends of terpenes. I feel like, and uh, you can do it different ways. We have our own way we do it. You know, you can mix it at a couple different stages, but um, it, it gives us a lot more ability for diverse flavors. And then what I really love is you can basically so here's, I just think a lot of flavors out there, are like really good, different levels of kind of generic gas flavors, terps, you know, which is cool and good. The high is good, but it's like, there's a lot of that out there. Those cakes, the cushions, the, the mints and uh, which hash really well, but there's a lot of that out there. But what I really love is like something like that with a little fruit end on it, like gas and fruit. So this way you can kind of still utilize those. I'm, I'm, I'm giving people, I'm people, I'm, I'm dropping some game here for everybody and I'm glad to do it. And I just really, with all this I share, I just encourage people to just stick to the simple natural and quality with these tools of, of ideas. But, um, you can, you know, grow a workhorse strain that just puts off that good resin and then have something that's more candy and desirable and just hit it on that more high yielding strain and just give something that's just a lot more desirable and uh, make it go further and make it more, you know, we just got a lot of feedback on that and it's just awesome to uh, see and mess around with that. Plus it just gives us way more um, variations and options moving forward. Right. And also it's kind of paid in the way for some cool genetic work that we're doing with a couple friends and breeders on the islands. Yeah. And it's all kind of culminating and making a special wave that we're really excited to kind of bring forward to people, these flavors and, um, you know, eventually like, you know, genetics, you know, shout out to uh, super Kauai and Hawaiian heirloom genetics or a couple of people that are working with these special hash strains right now. And, um, yeah, but the, 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 the blends come into that of just like, we can project where we want to yep. go, you know, Exactly. And we'll recreate find it. it. Yeah. yeah. Recreate it. We'll find what we want with that blend. Just simply like, okay, this is a good, this is the good blend mm-hmm. right here. Let's see what we could do to cross it and see if we could find 
you know, the right cross. So that way when we grow it, it it'll just produce it itself and we wouldn't have to do all this mixing all the time. I mean, yeah, we'll still And we can it. and we just know too, like, okay, this one's great. So we're gonna put out more of this one for a while. Right. But we always know like it's special to just kind of have to switch it up. Even on even on the really good ones, it's just important to have the rotation and d- diversity mm-hmm. as as like hash lovers and enjoyers. It's just so important to uh have different stuff, you know. And that's fun and part of the fun. It's like I always joke how it's just like, yeah, you're trying to like catch them all and try to find all those flavors. And it's so amazing that every single flavor is in that plant of all the fruits and candies and weird flavors, like down to like <laughs> your grandma's drawer smell <laughs> or, tooth or, you know, or like construction workers wallet. You know, yeah, there's so many varieties, you know, something very floral that reminds you of lavender. Caramels. There's caramels. That's crazy. It's just crazy on what? Frankincense. All these flavors to nerds, candy rope to like, you know, we're trying to really get some of those smoothie ones going. There's some really cool smoothie flavor terps out there. The bananas. Yep. Yeah. Well, I haven't quite. That's the that's the kind of my funny thing now. It's like I haven't quite tasted a real banana right. flavor exactly. hash, and yeah. I, I've smelt it in strains, and I've smelt it in hash. But as far as like the actual hit, give me that artificial like weird candy. Yeah, there's that. Nips, yeah, you know? You know? I don't know. Well, we're striving to really capture all these cool flavors in a way, and some of that is kind of being done through blending too, which is fun. But yeah, yeah, it's really every flavor is in there. It's so cool and interesting, and what a paradox too that it reflects like that. And sometimes I'll be out on the farm working and I'll hit another weed with the weed whipper and it'll smell just like white widow. Right. <laughs> so there's definitely a commonality or like, it's like a medicinal smell, mm-hmm. you know, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. So many good points to talk about. You know, you mentioned mixing the varieties at different stages. What would some of those be? Stages. Well, for the most part, as far as the actual combination point is being done at the same stage, but, um, you know, there's definitely sometimes a little bit of a, a give and take of like timing of harvest in some cases. So maybe some, you know, we always, we know it really is true that it makes such a difference to come to a, a nice ripeness and not take it too early. There's right. definitely more of like a high and a more flavor and, but it's also a sweet spot of not going too far as well, but mm-hmm. getting that maturity is important, but depending on what's going on in our simple situation, sometimes we're having to like take things a little early to kind of time it out right for a replant and stuff. But interestingly enough too, in our methodology, even some strings that run longer or run earlier, they, it just makes them time out more nicely and they all tend to finish together. I think that has to do with yeah. maybe when their roots are all connected in the ground too. There's definitely like a intelligence going on there, but yeah, that, that'd be the more like the timing wise would just be maybe one guy, like, for example, like GMO can go really long <laughs> and, you know, but it also can come a little early and still be really quality. But that's the, the depth of flavor and potency, I think, comes with the maturity. But that was a nine week or so. Sometimes we'll pull that one down, you know, eight weeks or something like that. And while well, like key lime or like the sherbet, sometimes that's a little bit earlier. Like, like five well, weeks, five weeks sometimes, yeah. consistently, five and a half weeks every time. Even papaya too is really yeah. cool. So it's cool being able to just stock up the freezer at that time, you know, knowing that those got to freeze. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if another week goes by and then you got to harvest some more and then oh man, now the freezer's starting to get packed. We got to throw it in our <laughs> personal freezer. Yeah, we're small scale. Like we you definitely, yeah, that's really like awesome to share with people, but it's just so small. And, uh, you know, that's part of the joy of it, part of the quality of it. But um, yeah, that's definitely, what's up? Small, small. Yeah, and you mentioned based on the feedback, some of them have been hits. 
What are some of the most memorable ones to you, Preston? Yeah. Shoot. So like uh Hitman OG for sure. That's the uh, all time. Were you talking about blend specifically? Blend? I, mean, I was, but yeah, I'm I'm interested even oh. on standalone ones too. Okay. Okay. Give me your favorite blend. So I mean, like, as for like hit like you know, Hitman OG is just like a classic that I've been growing up around him. And uh that one's like a super sweet, um, creamy, gassy, but uh as for like Blend wise, like hits would be, always be like a papaya blend with something. Yep. Lately. And those key limes and sherbet, key lime and sherbet, key lime, which are it, it, similar, I guess. What Maybe different phenols, different. I don't know exactly the breakdown of the sherbet and the key lime could be sunset sherbet, but similar lineage, you know? And they have a very similar way they grow. But yeah, those ones really blend people like a lot. That a lot OG Ghost Train Hills. Watermelon Skittles, yeah, the melon, the melon kind of yeah. shifts over nicely. Yeah, some some say like the watermelon Skittles reminds them of papaya. I just you seen know? too that so. our friend uh, Super Kawhi, we did one blend called the Funky Lime Papaya, Funky Lime Papaya. It was GMO Key Lime Papaya, or Key Lime Key Lime Cookies and Papaya, yeah. and that was a really cool one. And then he loved that one so much that he made a genetic cross like that, and now it's got the Funky Lime Papaya out, exactly. and I think it's. GMO papaya by uh, lemonade, I think. But that was, that was cool. I just saw that today. And then, so that was a favorite of some people that we got feedback about the funky lime papaya. Yeah. You know, that was a weird one, but good one. You know, OG Ghost Train Haze, obviously our favorites. <laughs> yeah. Shout out OG Ghost Train Haze, man. Everybody's been loving that one. Shout out to Bradley of Pacific Northwest Roots, which was uh, foundational and helping us get that one together. And, helping in a lot of ways hash wise so shout yeah. him out big up but a brad raskaya yeah you know and uh the good ones were there yeah but it seems like you guys definitely are seeking these bold maybe almost exotic you know smells and flavors and then Absolutely. yeah and then you're mixing them together which you know going back to what you said i think some people do feel like maybe mixing isn't right. I don't know what the yeah. right word is, you know, but it, yeah, it's, no, I, in a I'm, purist kind of way. I, I, right. I get right. That's what's special too, is when we drop the pure ones, it's kind of special in their own exactly. new way. But I agree with that, you know, for sure. I've, I've got someone telling me like, why do you guys always mix your stuff? Like how come you guys don't want to keep it separate and then you can mix it within like, you know, you can pick your dad separately. I feel like that's not the same in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. just totally I don't know. It's fun too because it kind of gives us a chance to like be like, okay, you know, not to be like, oh, we can make our, you know, proprietize our blend, but also just it puts a special signature that can't be necessarily easily replicated or it makes it a fun challenge for somebody to replicate. Right. So it's like, it's fun. It kind of puts a, puts a fun spin on it that people enjoy and we tend to enjoy. And yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. Like you said, kind of going back to this catch them all or I think Pokemon you referred to you know, yeah. in our prior catch, catch all the flavors and, I think it's cool. And I mean, I go back to thinking like when I was smoking flour or weed, you know, I, I love smoking like weed separately, but then I love mixing it together as well. Cause you know, definitely based on how much you were putting in of each one of them, you're kind of getting a different flavor or different effect. So I feel like blending does the mixing in, in a way that maybe even genetically would take like so much work 
Yeah, you can feel the potency too, not to cut you off, but the potency too of those blends. There's really something to be said about that. I think that plays into the whole kind of entourage effect concept, but the diversity and the, and the mixture is strong, yeah? Yeah, and there might even be like, I guess a way of amplifying or extending kind of these cannabinoid profiles to where, I don't know if you could do that genetically. Obviously, I'm not capable of yeah, answering that. A lot but, of work, you know? yeah, just take a lot, a lot of work. I bet they could almost, with the right, like based on what I'm, I'm observing though, if people got the time and energy and if it wasn't so taboo and you could really kind of really study the pheno hunts and which some people are able to do, but we're going to find every flavor in there. I mean, I haven't tried that root beer, but man, like every flavor in there, it can be pulled out, you know, with time, but like a lot of time, yeah, a lot I mean, of work. Because that's what it is. Our, our, the blends is just an inspiration to pheno hunt. And then sometimes you'll find a different, you know, a different flavor yeah. within that pheno, you know, and then, and then sometimes you'll find the one like, oh, it tastes just like the blend that we did. And so many you know, of the special so. strains out there were just like really just, something that grabbed people and they held on to it. So it's fun. Like the mystery of the magic strains are out there. We'd love to like help bring one forward that would represent Hawaii and uh, really bring a gift to everybody that gets to try it. You know, just like some of these other ones, that would be a really fun goal that we're kind of shooting for. But bucket list pretty much checked off after the interview here, but yeah. maybe that'll be, <laughs> be another one we'll put up there now. <laughs> yeah, that's funny, man. Let's touch on a point that I thought was interesting to talk about. And again, kind of going back to blending or mixing is mm -hmm. we've talked about these kind of like standout or standalone standout strains, like the OG co-strain haze, which, you know, I, I keep telling you guys, that's kind of like my fave, you know, uh, yeah. I got to, I got to try that, you know, solo or straight by itself from you guys. And I, yeah, I just love that smell. Uh, it it just is like something that my sensors say yes to for sure. But then there's other things like you mentioned the sour tangy, and I'm not a tangy person. I don't mm -hmm. care necessarily for that overpowering. I like it. Like I think it's like interesting that it's that strong and that powerful, and and it's not bad. It's just not my thing. But that mm -hmm. sour tangy is unique in that, like I told you. It reminds me more of like a dry lemon, but a dry tangy, you know? And so going back to these bold flavors that you guys are growing, you mentioned something along the lines of like, it's interesting to see how much it takes of something mm -hmm. to, for it to cut through in a blend, for example, like a papaya or something really strong like that. So could you guys talk a little bit about that? Mm-hmm. As into like uh, just like what at what tipping point takes it over the falls into what dominant side of that that is a that is a sweet spot and we're still like learning ourselves yeah. as far as that goes. We but, just wing it, honestly. <laughs> no, in a lot of cases we really do. We'll wing it and then like take notes. <laughs> but like uh, it, what what you, what's cool though too is like I'm not a huge tangy kind of fan myself, where I feel like it's a little played out, but. Um, what's cool is there's some subtle variations to that though. Like you said, there's like a dry tangy, there's like a really tangerine. Then there's like, I wanted to ask you what you think of something like Tropicana cookies. What do you think about that one? Yeah. To me, it's it's similar along the lines to like a tangy where like, it's yeah, a so very overpowering, like uh -huh. orange yeah. type mm -hmm. of flavor. And, and, you know, as people say, like 
it's like a rain. Uh, I'm all over the place today with my words, but it's a a rig stainer. You know, we're like, <laughs> oh, like you're right. Yeah, you're about right. like you know puffing on a, a rig that has run some solventless or some rosin or some hash through it. That's definitely one of be going to be one of the things that like you would know what it is or ah. in, in the realm of what it is. Good point. Good point. No, I agree. The, uh, we just kind of were blessed with that, that learning about that strain, the chop cookies. And I'm a, I agree with you on the tangy front, but I, I, it's cool how they will definitely throw these little different spins on it where that one kind of has like a little bit of a dough gas back end that makes it more appealing to me than, you know, but I told it, I agree with you. What pushes a specific strain over the falls is it depends, you know, but some are really dominant. And that's why now we have yet to maybe do the, because a couple of the real dominant ones, obviously are like GMO in our experience, that sour tangy, that um, the papaya as well, but also that OG ghost strain haze, but it'd be really cool. We haven't done the, the GMO by the um, sour tangy yet. I don't think maybe just in a mix, but it'd no. be cool to ha- it'd be cool to hit those two hard. What GMO? GMO sour tangy? Oh no. Yeah. yeah. Done that would that be a cool one because basically those are so dominant. It would be like who would win in the clash yeah. <laughs> of that mix, you know, and would it be good? Cause we, then we did do that GMO by the OG ghost train haze, which was kind of a freaky mix. And that was actually really awesome yeah, and exactly. weird. So that's what's kind of exciting. That would like never be able to happen like that. In a, in a like other in like another mixture, you know. So, yeah, it, we it put makes us think about it now, just as you mentioned it. But um, I don't know exactly the, that answer to that question yet. But we were we're learning about it. It just depends, you know. And then sometimes one batch will just be so fragrant, so well done, and so so you have to take all that into calculation for sure. Which mm-hmm. we do and we don't. We love to keep it real simple, but also uh, try to be smart about it in a simple way without getting too, you know. I respect people that really crunch those numbers and write the data down. And I, I'd be better to do all that stuff, but I'm really just like that kind of like real basic type of thinking person personally. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So last question on the blends. Yep. Is there times that it doesn't work? Like, is there times where you're like, yeah, "Eh, that's not necessarily what we hope for. Good question. Oh yeah. There, there's definitely times like that where we're just like, okay, well, meh, that wasn't, but uh, even math is still really yeah, good. It's still really good, but it's, it's not right. Right. It's not what you were hoping for or like how you envisioned it or something like that. The last we've been talking about, I don't know. I mean, I, what I guess I try to go for personally is sometimes stuff different than like certain levels of gas. So I don't know that last blend that we were just talking about. I was kind of hoping to pull a little bit more sweet of that papaya. The blend I'm talking about was, well, that one too, even our, so our, so our past two blends, the one before this one was the white widow, the grease monkey oh, yes, and the papaya. That yeah. And that one was pretty cool, but it kind of just, I think we were talking about it played out to like a more creamy gas and didn't get that papaya kind of candy end note that I was hoping for. And that was kind of a cool projection that we were going for, but we realized right there, that we didn't have enough papaya to hit that tipping point. So that would just be a ratio adjustment that wouldn't be too hard to correct. And that might actually be a cool one. We'll just mess with down the, down the road. But then the one he's referring to now is the sour tangy by grape spotty and the grape spotty. So special. Well, why don't you talk on it? But talk on this recent batch of what you were thinking. I mean, yeah, I was hoping to hit more of the, the grapes and just like sweet nerds, but uh, I don't know. It was more like a kind of like a popsicle in a way. Nothing, nothing wrong. It was like orange or like those generic popsicles is what it was like. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) In a good way, but weird. But uh, we were hoping it would go more dominant grape. But uh, it was also 
That was a good oh, test. A lot of sour tangy, yeah. And actually, so. too, just talking on like the temperature too, like you can really, depending on the temp, pull those different flavors out more. Like I feel like the low temp on that one, I was feeling more of the grape's body. Yeah. But the sour tangy reigns supreme on that one. <laughs> yeah. As as it gets hotter, it's just it's there. And feels like it didn't quite complement the grape flavor like the grape's body papaya. Right. But still, you know, a win-win, but that would be probably an example of one that wasn't as where we were projecting it. You know, so I mean, that's, it's just, that's how we learn. You gotta, gotta smoke that hash yep, for a week straight, it, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you said, I mean, I, funny enough, I got a little bit, to try a little bit of that white papaya grease. And yeah, I mean, it's not like the boldest flavor out there, mm-hmm. but like you guys said, it's still really, really good, you know? And going yeah. back to the point of, you talking about resin and color and, and maturity, which is always a favorite topic of mine. You know, your hash does have this like golden look. Typically it doesn't have a lot of like whiteness to it, but it does have a certain kind of like translucent quality to it, you know? And so let's talk about rosin. Let's talk about going from showing pressing flower rosin to putting out this really super fire rosin. Yeah, it was just uh, learning the, the different methods of, uh, I, I tried to learn all kinds of different ways from sift, dry sifting and- uh, Preston went down the, the, the rabbit hole of hash. It was yeah. actually pretty awesome. And I got to like be, I, I did it already myself and just getting to be there with him and encourage him and kind of collect his data. But he did it. It all take it to the, even like yeah. the, the solar. Like, I don't want to get off topic. I went from like, the dry sifting to like uh, dry ice sifting and uh, tumbling, all kind. Yeah, tumbling from the trays and uh, I don't know. It was you know from the dry buds. It was just not the, personally just not the same quality. And you know when he's taught me on the the live rosin of how you can just freeze it from harvest and wash it like so yeah it's a little bit more different like different texture it's not like as sandy it's more gummy and it all depends on the strain honestly but yeah that just blew my mind of the quality and then being able to use the freeze dryer that is just yeah. an amazing futuristic tool to have. <laughs> fucking magical box. We don't know about it. We just you put know? it in there. It comes out like magic. <laughs> it's, that's insane that we can get it within the next day. And then, yeah, the streamlining of the process is really incredible once we kind of dialed it into the live rosin as the formula. And it kind of just took like adjusting the variables to kind of just one really just kind of get a proper space together and mm-hmm. get the, get the formula flowing. And then, so yeah, I know what you're saying though. Like the, 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 the rosin sometimes has this like mysterious glow and uh, it's a magical substance, you know, taking it to kind of to the beginning of it. It's just like, we've achieved this really great expression of the plant. It's kind of like capturing, like people have mentioned that living incredible smell along with the high, along with the smoothness, which is kind of awesome. And then we always trip out how, you know, if kind of procured correctly, there's really, I would put money on it that there's no, you could save it like honey almost. You could say that you could store this stuff in this really quality state for a really long time if done right. And that's kind of mind boggling Yeah, compared to like the flower formula. That was kind of what was really interesting for us is seeing how like the rosin formula with the right genetics, which is 90% of the important step of it, but right 
can can just streamline and efficientize that flower formula and just make it way more simple and closed loop. So that was like in our closed loop kind of thing, really a fun adjustment that worked right into it. So we just simplified it, streamlined the, the living rosin. We were very blessed, you know, along the way to just have like a great contact list of people that really helped us. You know, Kush Kirk really helped us. Um, Bradley Pacific Northwest Roots really helped us. Fred Morris, you know, really helped us. Matt Rise, like all these different people that were just pretty yeah. open and sharing about information with a genuine question and not being, you know, disrespectful when asking people stuff. And yeah. And I, what well, a really cool thing about it is somebody pointed out to me was just how like, you know, you got these mega companies throwing so much money at this process and still can't dial in these simple steps. It, there are a lot of areas, but it's very simple. Right. And it's just, I love that about it. And with this information too, I just encourage people to like respect it and only put it to like the highest quality of medicine that can go through this, you know, because it's so important, but yeah, it's just a mag magical substance, the rosin. It's just like the high is so clean. The flavors are so powerful. It's one of those things too. I trip on it, how you can take a hit and like not be a huge hit where you like bust your chest, but you'll still feel that really great euphoric high five minutes later. And For sure. You know, I think we're so prone to like liking that that chest bite in the hit. Oh, we got all kinds of stuff to talk about smoking rosin that we want to bring up about right. air temperatures and stuff. But yeah, it's just really cool to just see how it can just affect you without having to bust chest on it, even though I do kind of enjoy the tingle of the hard hit too. Yeah, like <laughs> uh, I, I per like sometimes I, you know, we have a batch saved of just hash, ice water hash. You yeah, know, we always we do we, we do always like have a little milk. stash. If it was more able to be done, we'd love to provide milk to people. But it's just it, the, the 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 texturing and the procuring of the live rosin is actually another big game changer that's helped out sure. a lot. And you that uh, it's yeah. all different handling. You can, I mean, with uh, water hash, you have to keep leaving it in the freezer, the night, fridge, bro, at least it hits room temp. Yeah, and then have it at room temp or whatever. Not to least. mention Hawaii too, because we're so tropical yeah. out here. That stuff is cakes instant. Yeah. Yeah. Which is still good to smoke, but it's just different. It's know? different. So at least with the live rosin, it's just better storage life, honestly, for It for just our stays sakes. sexy. Yeah, yeah it, it stays, stays sexy. sexy. And uh, okay. I mean, yeah, I've had a, I have a difference of leaving like uh, some jars in the fridge and some jars out and seeing what the difference is. You know, the only difference I see is just like a slight color difference. You know, the one yeah. that you leave out got a little bit more like darker like yeah to get a little uv yeah uv slightly but that's why at least the ones in the fridge is still pure and, and smoking and great same, yeah it's about the same exactly it's been fun running those smoking tests with it still the same and the live rosin just really holds up and it's that's really cool about it, it just provides like a long-term quality hit and consistency of smoothness like i heard some people kind of think that it has that kind of crystalliz crystallization effect that makes it like a little harsher at the at the live rosin kind of cured stage where we're at but i think it really just holds it out a smooth space especially when it's with quality stuff too and right you know it really uh it's such an easy cleanup yeah easy cleanup i was gonna say too the uh yeah we one thing we wanted to bring up to the to the heads out there that we've noticed is interesting and so here's a here's kind of like a like a head spinner so and maybe not too but the air temperature that you're dabbing at has made a huge difference to how enjoyable the dabs are for us. Yeah. In some cases we'll be in the cold room at night, dehumidified, probably like around realistically 60, 65, 60, 60 degrees, 60 degrees. And the, <clears throat> the dabs taste mad menthol. -y. So we'll take a hash hit sometimes of the batch and be like, the fuck, uh, which menthol is sometimes like so how certain cold. strains go. But yeah, 
it just tastes so like harsh and menthol-y. And yeah. we'll be like, no, but then we'll dab it in a room that has like more humidity and more, more warmth. Like here at my house, like fruits. Yeah. And that's been a weird kind of complex. And we wonder all the people that live like high elevation, arid places, like, is it hitting them all menthol and stuff? And like, yeah, like, that's interesting, man. Your feedback. Have you ever noticed anything like that? Maybe it's different cold temps starting too, where you can kind of, that might be actually the way to maybe solve that problem. Mm, how you just hit go it. at it and, and the cold start. It's a trip though. It really is a weird one for us that we've noticed and it sometimes throws us off, but that was why we got to dab it at all temps and all yep. <laughs> areas. Yeah, so let's talk about the environment because, like you said, guys live in a tropical space. So mm-hmm. talk to us a little bit about the lab. You mentioned the humidity levels. Are you guys running cool bots or what's going on in there? Uh, we need a cool bot. So we're going cool to cool get thing. a cool bot eventually. But uh, right now, we just got a great little system of just like a nice little like a little studio small little small space little room so that helps with it for that sure helps with, you know to keep the enclosed with the small but it's by no means perfect so we're really kind of getting away with the bare minimum here and getting great results right. so you know i guess the i guess the method i like to say is that you don't have to go so overkill on the lab you just right. need to just have you know certain certain controls at, at, and at place at a certain time and that's just kind of and we only wash at night too because we can't get it cool enough during the day because you know, that same yeah. reason. But we don't run a cool bot. Those can supposedly get it really cold, but we just run a regular AC. But we wait till night. It's also a vibe. It's just like getting together and it's like a ritual, a fun yeah. ritual where we like eat a nice dinner. We wash together get and have plays. fun and smoke all the hash and get hand stirred, everything too. And that's just like a special add on to it. So yeah. Yeah. It's uh no machines anymore. Yeah, so we're real basic with it. It's kind of like hillbilly moonshining as well, even though we're meticulous about quality and stuff too. But uh, it's not that complicated, and it's not such a perfect laboratory. It's just like kind of like a hillbilly shed, to be honest. Provides the quality, and and that's the irony. That's the irony too, you know. And then I just want to encourage people like that also too. But make sure you do it with natural grown cannabis. But uh, yeah, basic, basic, you know. And we're 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 just we're just kind of always trying to improve on it. But also, I've just kind of found a real nice, steady, yeah, simple thing. But yeah, keeping it cool, air temperature ideally, you know, sixty degrees minimum. Um, some people go real cold and. Here's the thing. Every little incremental step helps in a little way, but sometimes it just helps in so much of a way that it's not that big of a deal. So mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about all the little stuff so much, you know, right. but cleanliness is really important to cleanliness us. Cleanliness is huge. And uh, yeah, you got to keep it cool. and those certain steps and then, but yeah, the, the way the freeze dryers change the game, you know, it's a really helpful tool. We've had good success with ours. Some people I see be really having difficulties with them and it sounds like their customer service is tough, but yeah, ours has worked really good. Just we just change the oil every time and treat it like a divine vessel of a <laughs> companionship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is interesting to me because of your philosophies with farming and you know life and but the freeze dryer you're really big on. And you told me this last time. You're like, you know, I don't know, but yeah, it's a great piece of technology. So it, there's almost like a funny dichotomy to me there. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And that's where I definitely will just personally be like, yo, this is an incredible innovation um, in so many ways, especially considering our climate too. That would be, so at first I did that. No, and it's doable. So here's what will happen. Unless you have the room super cold. And even if you have it super cold, some strains are so greasy that when you grate it, it'll just, you lose a lot of it all over the place. And then some of it will just, what'll happen is even in a cold room, like 50 degrees, some of these greasy strains will hit 
and they'll instantly liquefy. And as soon as that liquefied step happens, that's where I think it traps moisture. So it's like, there's a real subtlety of the cold, cold room, but I just feel like, um, yeah, that's, that's what I would, that's what I would fall into. It would be a lot of loss. A lot of stuff would be getting kind of trapped with, which wasn't bad and barely noticeable with really quality product to begin with. And in some cases, like kind of fun to smoke the, the water hash that was just like had that real kind of gummy bears, kind of maybe a little moisture to it or more flavor, but uh, maybe a little harsher. But um, yeah, it just, it just boosted the quality. It just made it so we didn't have to touch it as much. And that's another thing I think that adds to the cleanliness of the product. Yeah. It's like, you know, we don't got to be fingering it or touching it or scraping it along or getting our oils on it or getting pieces of rubber glove on it or whatever, you know? So that's something that I think added to it. But I also think about that too. I always think about the scenario though, if we were like in a real simple tech situation, like how would we still enjoy this kind of smoking and flavors and stuff? And it would be different, you know? There's a thing called the steam chalice that I think gets it close. And that's like where you kind of do this vapor, vapor kind of hit of flour. But yeah, oh, yeah, we're, yeah, we're living in the, we're living in the modern era with this freeze dryer. And I'll definitely say that, you know, as much as I try to keep it like really natural and simple that I throw in the towel for the freeze dryer, that thing's like a, a good friend. And, <laughs> no, and I get it. Like some people be saying like, Oh, the air dry, this and that. And you know, there is, there's a little difference, but not that much of a difference. I don't think smoking the difference of air dry to, you know, freeze dry hats personally in my personally, experience. Yeah. And so are you watching and then freeze drying in the same space? Um, it's kind of like divvied up into a couple sections, but basically, yeah, it's just like a little box. Little box. <laughs> Similar to just a shipping like container box. spacing, you know, and just kind of divide it off to where, you know, yeah, just 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 out of the design, it just we have like a washroom space and then we have like a curing, curing room space yeah. that I also use for all kinds of stuff like drying seeds of uh vegetables and all kind of stuff like that so it Smoking. comes in handy and preserving other stuff too anything that's just nice in hawaii to just have something that's climate controlled for certain things you know and then in that space is that where you're doing the pressing of the rosin yeah uh sometimes there and then sometimes over here it all depends on the the time of where we're at and where, where Preston at. is and stuff. But yeah, for the most part, I'll help him with the wash and then he'll kind of just deal with it from that point on. And, you know, yeah, we have presses at a couple of different locations. It just kind of depends on convenience, but yeah, nice to do it there when it's cold and that, exactly. you know, but it can be done a lot of different ways. You know, you can just move it efficiently in coolers, you know, if you need to mm-hmm. all different ways. You know? Yeah. And part of the reason I was asking is a small and effective and then B I want to talk more about your rosin because, you know, going back to what I said about your rosin having this kind of translucent thing to it. One of the things that really stands out to me is even after it's been heated, the oil has a very, very, very light color to it still. And nail you're talking about in the nail. yeah. The nail. Yeah. I don't know what I said. <laughs> I just make sure, but yeah, yeah. Thank you, man. That's a that's a, that's a test that I do when I smoke hash, and it's like if it can do that and have that that cleanness, you know, that's a really good indicator of I think a lot of a lot of a lot of cleanliness and stuff. But um, yeah, sometimes it glows to me certain t- colors. But yeah, we I mean we get I think on the spectrum we definitely sometimes have more of like a golden look to ours. But uh, you know, a lot of times certain strains will just come out a lot lighter. But um, yeah. The, the, the procuring and the handling of it is really an, an important aspect. And I'm yeah. thankful that 
Preston does such a great job with that. And uh, it really, you know, makes a difference for adaptability. What nothing frustrates me more than it's like when you got a crumble dab and you get trying to shovel it in with like a small yeah. dabber and dropping it all over yourself or in your beard or something. And like, yeah, that shit gets too annoying. Like I, I love the whole fresh press and it curing up, but the way how it just falls off the dabber. Nah, or it can, yeah, yeah. Certain strains. I know people too that like really have good luck with agitation and stuff and don't have to really do too much except agitate it and we'll get cold cure. The good yeah. consistency. And that's great, you know. But yeah. Yeah, we just have a process Handle of our it. own of, you know, curing it a little bit more. And finding that sweet spot, you know, it's different strains, yeah. but finding that sweet spot where it kind of holds that interestingly it'll bring out the flavor interesting it'll bring out i feel like more potency than my this is like in my bro science but in like the subtle changes of uh, it's interesting how this cure i feel like will enhance things in a yeah. way and then preston dials it depending on the batch to where the best is and there's also even more variables we could bring it to people in but we like we really prefer this one yeah that's just board. our style yeah a jam Batter. Preston knows Batter. how to make like solventless diamonds and all kind of stuff. Like, yeah, I was gonna say like your stuff, your consistencies are really always on point. And you know, when you talked about leaving it in the fridge or leaving it out, I mean, even leaving it out for a considerable amount of time, yeah. there's still a very consistent or stable texture to it. Uh, stable, you know. I don't know if stable is the right word, but a certain type of moisture or wetness to it. Yeah, it's weird. It's wet. So talk to me about like your rosin pressing beliefs. Do you try to get it off the press as fast as you can? Are you keeping it on parchment? How are you achieving? Yeah, I mean, this? Uh, we just press it right on a parchment sheet, collect it, put it in the jar, and then just heat cure it. We like, you can go right into the jar, but we like to kind of do it separate because we can kind of like weigh it and yeah. vibe with it a little bit first. And then I think it does kind of add to maybe cooling it though. I, I think like what's, what's cool at our level too, with the quality is like a lot of variables won't change it being good, you know, and some of them are just more work than it's worth, you know? So we'll go on. You're saying on the, parchment. Said, we're on yeah. the parchment pressed off. So yeah. And then curing it, you know, so, uh, yeah, that was pretty much all I had. Yeah. And by, and by curing it, you're basically like, so you're moving it from the parchment to it, the glass yeah. container and then you're just letting it sit in there for a while? No, so we're putting it like on a, like a little mini oven that we make like a little mini oven chamber. Okay. At a very low heat, what, 100 degrees, I think it's at. Preston, got teach me, Preston. Yeah, so 100 degrees and then just pretty much let it uh, sit there. There's like a fine level because it you don't want to go overdoing it and it becomes so sappy that you just... Yeah, you can go like real saucy with yeah, it. You can make it... And certain parts. strains will go weird and like go really runny and that turns into a magic. Yeah. We've made that mistake with a couple ones, but... Yeah, there's a fine level. There's some strains that go mad greasy fast. And then there's some that like the sour tangy or sometimes even GMO that takes a while. Like you gotta like kind of gotta watch it, it and work with it as it goes. Yeah. So you just take it out, agitate it, and put it back in. And just try to keep watching it. Get the air out of it. I feel like it's a timing thing too. Like, you know, you'll see how it, there's, there's like a the whole breakdown of it. People have explained it pretty clearly, but there's like a crash after it hits a certain point. And yeah. then things tend to want to like crystal that turn crystalline and you're kind of basically trying to like 
trick, trick that and the, let the terpenes kind of override that step. Yeah. And then there's a magic, magic step that happens that we don't understand that. Yeah, it was Ooh. crazy learning that on it goes Instagram, watching Diet Funk and Rosin Ryan. A lot of people, man. There was a lot of people. Shout that out to uh, that's why. That's funny. You read that was the best when you read uh, the homies, uh, the question of the homie about why he's giving so much tech away. But now uh, <laughs> we're breaking it down. It's what awesome. But uh, shout out to Ken Wall, big up. That was oh yeah, Ken too. Wall. I love that you read him you that question that about that. But yeah, like, I kind of like. I've been super like open about sharing tech with a lot of this and it's been cool, but I've also just realized over time that it's like, it's a powerful thing. And like, I can understand why there's like these initiations to like, it's like martial arts. I kind of take it to martial arts a lot, but it's like, it's a lot of power to wield. And I would hope people could like respect it, keep it on the up and up of quality for the people. Cause there's ways and pe- ways people could cut corners and like basically exploit the concept you know, run a bunch of like low quality material that I think like energetically and spiritually is degrading to the people's health and all that way. So that's my main kind of points of why I'm a little bit like, oh, don't, don't let everybody know about this without them kind of like proving their, you know, I've done it both ways. I've shared a lot of info and stuff. And after doing that, I've been like, yeah, I'm going to be more pick and choosy about it because it's, it's the respect and the powerful gift, you know, more out of just like, not abusing this beautiful gift of information and timing, you know, genetics. Yeah. There's always a lot to say behind intentions and, you know, what, what goes into them when doing something. So I don't disagree with that, you know, and I think you guys mentioned the term premium earlier. And I know you label your premium rosin uh, as like 70 U, 120 U. Yeah. Yeah. You want to clarify. Yeah, talk to us uh, about that, Preston. What's what's going into that, or what's the mindset behind what you're putting into your premium? Basically, you know, everybody's into the 90U. You know, that's everybody was seeking for, but we like to switch it up. And uh, I personally don't see the difference with the 70 and 90 sometimes, and you kind of get like this even amount of both. So we just decided to just take out the 90. Because the 120 heads are a lot bigger, you know, you can clearly see it and it's got like a nice proportion for itself. Yeah. So once we got rid of the 90, we just get such, such a bigger amount of 70 and it's just. There's less work and less yeah. pain. Those ones are less also work, tend to be really cleaning. sticky too. So yeah. it's like simplifying that step of that really sticky one. It's cool. You know, if I was like going to enter like a competition and wanted to have that edge, I would just do maybe just the 90U and get freaky with it in its own space. But it's like. Ours, the quality in those microns, 70 to 120 is really great. And then we combine those for the premium. Yeah. And then, you know, we have the the other ones. Uh, I like to call it sun-dry. It's just a few. Sun-dry just means? Sun-dry means mix. Mixed. It's just another definition as mix. So it's spelled sundry or sun-dry. Sun, yeah, basically sun-dry. And then I put like the little micron U at the end. So it's a mixed micron and mixed it's not micron. a full spec by definition. I know a lot of people get into technical with that. So we, it's a mixed micron and still really good and has different properties, different flavors and different potencies, which is cool. But uh, yeah, those two, and it's cool to also provide, you know, a couple options so people can different, you know, different price ranges can still get to enjoy. Right. All, yeah. the, all in all better than flower rosin, no hate. Okay, but yeah, just, so, <laughs> you know, the full spec comes out almost unnoticeable to the difference to the premium, which is yeah. really weird with some strains. Exactly. So, you know, so it, it saves some people's wallets because I also like to, for the mix, I like to just put it as two grams 
make it yeah. cheaper. So some people just being, love being able to like get a notice of what the premium could be. And then that way they'll work their way up being like, all right, are, I'm ready to like buy that eighth, bro. Let me try that. Yeah. And ultimately we're trying to just like guide and shift everybody's mentality to just want the most quality in all yeah. aspects, even if it does cost a little bit more, if it goes to like a good concept and you're getting yeah. better for yourself, it's just, that's more, I think the thing we try to promote with like all the steps too, even though it's, you know, there's a lot, it's absolutely a lot of work, man. You really crunch all the numbers and stuff. It's like mind boggling how much goes into it, but it's also very simple. It's just a cool, right. Cool balance. So let's talk about trichome head sizes because we've talked about the OG Ghostrain Haze and you brought up something during our smoke break about how you've run it before expecting or hoping for something and then it didn't work out like that. But then another round, you ran the OG Ghostrain Haze, not necessarily expecting what it produced so talk to me about the differences and talk to me about like the different micron ranges you're seeing, because we haven't even talked, talked about or touched on really like the microclimates and being in this unique position on earth with the sun there and, and this and that. And so, you know, how do you feel like that all ties in together? Let's see. So the first part of that was the trichome head size aspect. Um, oh yeah. So, so that story of that was really cool. So, we were that actually it was like a, a memento to like to you and we were really knew that shrug <laughs> of that strain and we wanted to provide that to get it, give them the true expression of it because it often would be blended because the ghost train OG ghost train haze in our initial experience wasn't a very good ice water hash yielder compared yeah. to like some really good ones. It did all right, but nothing too great. The hazes in general, yeah, it's hard to say exactly, but we were thinking like two percent or under for us at the time. And so we did a run and it was so schmeager. We just ended like the whole, we, we figured out how to make the wash still worth it, but we got like only like a few grams because it was a very small amount. It wasn't really a testament. Yeah. And we just did it though. And it was awesome because we just like, it was, it was, a, it was a passion for the hashing right there. But then we grew a bigger batch of it with a little bit more, I just think it had like a little bit more ripeness and just had a few more variables that worked out for it in a natural way. And it, it just yielded noticeably heavier and yielded to a point that, you know, we're not really meticulous with our dry, with our wet weight and all that stuff and really pinning that down. It's more of like, we know our size for things. And when we see a large amount in there, we're like, Oh, that's a dumper. And that's different, you know, or that's freaky. And uh, it was noticeable that the OG Ghost Train Haze performed for us, as well as the other one we did that watched the Watermelon Skittles. Both yeah. of those are kind of, the Watermelon Skittles is a little bit more decent for sure than the OG Ghost Train Haze, but both of those aren't like something too crazy. And both of them yielded super heavy for us. And it just kind of just blew the roof off of a lot of our theories of just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, potential in these strains, you know, especially in, you know, good quality of growing and, you know, the right things lining up. They do have, said they can yield more than you know but most strains just that like let everybody know do not yield great in water hash that's just yeah, facts you know <laughs> it's a hard lesson but uh yeah that was really great and it did that so i don't know exactly the variables maybe a little bit more maturity in my mind and a little obviously a little bit more volume you know yeah, yeah that, we you added know. a lot more yeah that time we had like what half the greenhouse yeah no, like not a half a but like a quarter but definitely quarter. enough to like fill the it all comes down to like volumes we feel like five gallon bucket size bags more or less so we and we run a couple of those per wash so it's 
it's kind of like how much how much we can get a hectare worth of a, a bundle. Yeah, and we had a, oh, couple, right. had a couple bundles worth of that one, and that makes it so that we can really see where it's going. But yeah, pleasantly surprising. Took us back to the drawing board, and it was really encouraging to just like give some of these mediocre strains another chance, especially when they're like a standout freaky terps like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was interesting, man. And I, who knows what kind of induced those changes. And I'm curious to see like future runs of those genetics in your greenhouse, you know? And so let's talk about the greenhouse and, and really growing in Hawaii, because one of the things that, you know, both of you have expressed to me a lot is like a real respect for the culture. And Dustin, even though you've been there almost like half your life now, you've told me like, I, yeah, I feel like I've put in like time and work on the island to be able to farm the land. So talk to me about how you feel the unique setting that you're in is playing into creating resin. Well, there's a lot of aspects to that, but yeah, I've been caring for the land, but specifically caring for the land in like an organic, real natural approach. And I think that's just super important to like, why I feel comfortable kind of being a caretaker of the space, but I really kind of look at it through that mentality of just being a caretaker in life in general, you know, but especially on the Island, because it's like a real like profound culture and people feel strongly about the land and the space out here. So I really take all that into consideration and, you know, humbly just, you know, go about that, that step, you know, just working the land. But um, yeah, it's, it's incredible. And it's been a huge gift. And let's see, going with that a little further. Yeah, you, you, you were you saying you wanted like just kind of like a framework breakdown of what that of what the growing space is like and that whatnot. Is that what you're saying? I mean, it could yeah, it could encompass everything. It could encompass like the growing space. I think you mentioned uh, the space is like a ten by forty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something exactly. along those lines. But the you know just the environment and and I know you mentioned you're kind of higher up than Preston is and the microclimates. Yeah, change a lot, you know, and uh, the sun and just all of that playing into creating just really top notch resin, you know, incredible climate out here. My theory is that there's something that has to do with the spectrum of sunlight coming from more of an equator space. And I've noticed that in experience in Jamaica, too, that something else happens with that little bit more intense sunlight and then combine elevation and different approaches with that. You get like a lot of really cool things. I've observed a lot of different grows where higher elevation was definitely yielding some wild hash results and stuff like that. But lower elevation too, if you can provide the right, it's just so intense, the sun. So you almost want to like hit it with a shade cloth when you're right at ocean level, because it's just like, those would be an example of these different extreme microclimates. But uh, in the situation where the greenhouse is at, it's a little bit more of like a higher, drier situation, 1800 feet about. And um, we've utilized, uh, and also, yeah, cannabis, huge in Hawaii, big respect. My main motivation with a lot of this is just to kind of shine a light on the beauty and, incre- and impressive results that the, this land yields in relation to cannabis and all things farm too. But yeah, it might, that's been a big part of my thing is just to let people know like Hawaii, is, it's not like any like, oh, people got to give us recognition, but Hawaii has just been a really important part of the culture of cannabis and uh everybody can contend a lot of times, even specifically different from our, our situation that there's been, if they've tried stuff from Hawaii, it's interesting. It's different. You know, we deal with a lot of the variables though of climate. So it's like, you really have to preserve and cure and deal with things the right way. If you're dealing with flour and, and, and take care of things and close lids and stuff like that out here. But, um, 
phenomenal. The sunlight spectrum, I think, is what is something that's special with the resin, the, the the soil, and we do run it all off of all rainwater. And I think that sorry, I'm gonna go on a little bit for here. Oh, yeah, <laughs> the rainwater adds to it. Um, greenhouse is super simple. It's just two no-till rows. We kind of come from the ideology of just like keeping it layered and mulched, and we don't really till it up. I mean, we till it to an extent to put in the starts, but it doesn't really get to mess with, and we just kind of we cut the cut the stems low and plant right next to them in open spaces so that's kind of the it's like a and it's like an incredible turnaround we're fortunate to get like a year-round flowering season out here and combined with the right staging and timing you're really able to get a real steady flow of uh you know consistent quality there's definitely variations in the winter to summer there's a little bit more moisture in the summer and a little bit more dryness in the winter it's kind of classic out here everybody's like the winter crops coming because the winter crop is the like the ultimate crust because you know, you're not battling so much stuff, but there's definitely mold. There's definitely like powdery mildew, all these things that you got to be really dealing with more on a level out here in humidity. And uh, that's been a cool learning curve. And I definitely feel like I've gotten a lot of experience of how to curve those issues, thankfully. But uh, those are ones you always got to be kind of staying ahead of in your, you know, regimens and stuff like that. And uh, so, yeah, there's that difficulty. But other than that, once you figure that out, combined with the buffer of the natural soil and natural farming method, which kind of gives you a lot of room to play, it's just a giving tree. And uh, it's pretty cool to just see how seamless and dialed we can kind of get this rotation, and um, but on a very small scale. And uh, the, ab- the abundance that certain strains can produce and just kind of dialing in all those variables has just been really fun and interesting to me of just, we have a designated space and we, we, we experiment with other spaces. And like I said, I've done like way larger amounts of space and chose to dial it smaller because of what that just allows you to be touching it at all and be closer and not break your back with feeling like, yeah. Oh shit, it's all coming in. Oh, we got to yeah. work five Absolutely. nights. All- <laughs> oh, and- yeah. So yeah, that's been, that's been special in the equation. And yeah, we just been, it's just like a laboratory in a sense, you know, nothing's ever perfect, but, but, but with, by getting enough love through the whole way, it comes out like incredibly pleasing every time. And it's, I, I guess the big thing too, is that we were just kind of fooled about agriculture and even cannabis to think you had to like throw away dirt and all this stuff, like just keeping the dirt alive and doing it just gets better and better. It really does. Especially if you take care of the dirt, right. It's kind of like a mind boggling paradox too. I mean, a lot of, natural farmers knew this forever and stuff, but it's just so cool to see how it really works, especially like back to back to back to back. And, um, yeah, we've just really dialed in a big part of like, I think that's helped us a lot is like doing this rinse method where we're kind of like steadily throughout every couple of days, giving a rinse with like a botanical tincture or something like that, or beneficial or sometimes some cases, even just like water or you know in the early stages we use like i really a lot of there's a lot of like controversy around the neem but i really love it because my neighbors have this great natural neem product and cold pressed oil Ina company is the name of their company they're really cool but uh neem and peppermint bronners is some of my favorite kind of ipm regimen for the early stages veg only neem is never used in any stages of flower that's super important but I love it as a, as a thing. Cause it's a pest deterrent. It's not a pesticide. It doesn't kill them. It just kind of creates like a field of like depesting and as well, it acts as like a, a fertilizer too. I think it has some nitrogen kind of reminiscent properties from it. And then the, the peppermint oil is like the classic one that everybody knows. And people are jumping on now a lot in a lot of ways, but the peppermint bronner is on the light back end with that neem. I just think uh, both of those just act as like a really nice, 
uh, pet det- pest deterrent. And then they, they really, you know, staying ahead of it on that with proper defoliation, you can really be ahead of any PM problems and really give yourself a head start, you know, to really keeping that kind of stuff down for a quality harvest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shout out to my dude, Spaceman Spliff. You know, uh, he's uh, been hooking us up with a little clips from his farm uh, for our garden tours. And, you know, one of the things he does talk about a lot is this year, He's uh, saying that the pest pressure, I think is what he calls it, mm-hmm. has been real severe or strong in Hawaii. And I know you guys are on the big island and he's elsewhere, but, you know, with a regimen like that, I'm curious, have you had any issues with that this year? Um, specific, not, I wouldn't say any more than other and others. I was dealing with like a little bit of aphids in the beginning of flower on a couple varieties but that can there's a lot of variables with that and they were they were totally gone once flowers started which was pretty interesting my friend also helped me by planting some lacewing seeds and stuff like that or not lacewing seeds but uh there's a certain plant that attracts pests to get a uh, beneficials to get aphids but we're able to really like stay ahead of it but it, i've noticed i've noticed specifically more than usual but there's always like a steady you know you're better to be off with that with a with an integrated pest red uh moderation system ahead of time for sure out here um especially if you're dealing with clone and stuff like that so I, i'm really on it with that and uh, combined with defoliation is like a really important step that i think really helps keep our plants really healthy allows a lot of airflow sunlight penetration and stuff like that but you see spaceman spliff does a great job real cool guy real smart guy and he even with that you know you have you definitely that's part of it for sure natural farming there's natural pests but it's like not about freaking out and getting over the top with shit it's just about like if you need to, in some case, you know, cut your losses, separate things and do away with it. But a lot of times you just keep with the nurture and it'll always come through for you, especially if you are smart enough to notice things ahead of time. We've been fortunate to like be able to identify things ahead of time so we can never get too caught. You know, a lot of people come check the plants every couple of days and, you know, don't touch them every day kind of things. And that's when things can sneak up on you real fast, especially if you got some big bushy plants, you know. But it's real out here, and that's why I, it's, I always just stay on it with, like, a good regimen of rinsing. It's just like there's rinsing. Even with water, there's something about it that in the plants and veg and even early stages of flower that is great out here, especially because we run a cover. That's another thing is we run a hoop over, which is super important because unless you're in a really consistent dry climate, the rain variable out here will work against it, especially for the hash. So that's a variable that we dialed in. That's another kind of semi-step away from, like, the hardcore natural – cultivation method but really helps in our cleanliness situation and all, a lot of things i think but yeah and preston did an awesome job he cleaned it off the other day because it was growing some algae on it and really uh scrubbed it down and it was like brand new again but even with yeah even with a little light restriction and stuff too the plants do great with that good soil we've kind of put that to the test sometimes plants will finish when it's mad cloudy and we'll be like oh my god it's like the worst possible finishing conditions like six days of rain in a row and all these things that you're like in the last couple of weeks, this is ruining me, but with the right coverage and the right soil, the plants still give and everything's still quality. So it kind of just blows the lid off of a lot of uh, restrictions people would feel normally, but it's cool how to keep the faith in the plant. And uh, it's definitely a moving target out here, you know? And do the moisture level moisture levels obviously play into uh, having to run the right genetics? Because like, it sounds like you guys have some hitters in your stable, but I, I don't know if they do well there if they weren't, you know, mold resistant per se. 
Good question. For the most part, it seems like we are able to pull off most strains just due to like having the good methodology and having the, the variable of rain over the head control. Some do better than others. We definitely like, like some strains will finish the uh, sherbet and the key lime cookies will finish. And if you don't get that one right within the three day window, it'll start to mold instantly like clockwork. So it's definitely, it's there, but um, yeah, with the, the, the natural farming soil and stuff, like we're, we're always interested that we never really had, I mean, we always, we're always pretty selective too. So we're not running like really delicate strains or ones that we don't already know or have something prospect. So that's another factor. We definitely run things that, are known for a lot of reasons, especially for resin. But in our situation, we can, we can put most things through it and it'll handle and like it and express even better, you know, I think, and or different at least, you know? Yeah, and uh, going back to maturity and pulling these plants within a very short window, for example, with the key lime pie, or did I get that? Key lime cookies, is it? <laughs> yeah. Um, how do you decide when you're pulling your plants? Is it by visuals? Is it by uh, scoping the trichomes? Is it, what is it? Yeah, we do, we bring all that into it, but a lot of times it's a vibe thing and a visual thing. Um, They'll just have like this more, after watching the plant for so long for me, you just see when that gets that swollen look where things are really filled out and you can kind of tell like, but it's hard to explain. It's hard to really nail down that answer, but it's definitely like a visual vibe thing. yeah. And it's kind of like where the calyxes and everything are fully swollen. A lot of the, a lot of the, depending on the strain, there's not too much hairs visible or they've been sucked in and, and, you know, kind of in the ripeness step and just kind of has this, it's just like a shape. It's different strain specific too, but um, I'd say probably like a visual look and feel in our situation, you know? Yeah, no, that's cool. It's always interesting to me to know, when people or how people are deciding to pull their plants, because it obviously plays a big factor into. Super important. How yeah. I hope people can figure it out. I didn't have the best advice there for people, but you really, it, it, that, that last week and a half is so important. You know, it's just can make you or break you of just like giving it that a little bit longer. It can double your weight kind of things. It's like weird. Like it's a magic time to just be delicate and considerate. Yeah. And you mentioned to me last time, that like the super heavy hitters for you is like an eight to 10% return. Have you seen something along those lines yourself? Well, you know, it's hard to say exactly. Cause like I said, we don't, we don't do that specific, you know, calculation, but um, I would say that I feel like, I mean, we're running that classic GMO cut big thanks to help who got that one to us. But um, it really is just like a, it, you put what for what you put in, it just looks crazy. So I feel like I know what people say is like an eight percent or to gauge off of. And not too many reach that, but a couple, you know, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think we're probably shooting in the range more of like the six, seveners, you know, consistently, but that still is okay. And, uh, but it's hard to say, we can't nail that one down exactly, but yeah, I feel like I have, I have a strain basically to gauge that off of. And that sour tangy comes really close. It's amazing. The yeah. GMO though, it doesn't make sense. Like you put like a certain mass of plant matter in, like I was telling you, <laughs> yeah amount of crystals that comes out of that mass is like 50% or something. But also for that same reason, it's getting run really hard. And it's like kind of, even though it's so brilliant and I can never bash it on so many levels, but like people are getting a little played out on it. I feel like, so it's like trying to keep it diverse, even though hats off to the GMO and potency and the flower is great too. But it's just funny how those farmers friends get like that. It's just how it goes, you know? 
Yeah, like you said earlier, though, you know, it's an interesting concept to have a strain like that that you know is going to produce, but then maybe have other strains that can complement it that are not going to produce as well. You know, so that it's a about balance. Yeah, no, totally. But we w- we definitely won't entertain ones that like you know. Sometimes you watch ones and you'd be like, "What broke?" Like it didn't. There's nothing. Yeah. And so that's that's <laughs> yeah, all, yeah. all of ours definitely ride on that making it semi worth it for sure. Some on the lower spectrum, but it, they're all pretty like incredible if you were to like compare them to the average washing non washing strains. You know, thankfully. Right. Well, cool. I think this is a good opportunity for a second quick smoke break. Guys, down. Yes, sir. Perfect. All right. Cool. I'd like to take a moment to thank every person that makes up our community on Patreon for allowing us to produce episode 30 with Pressing Full Show and Mother Rock Botanicals. We wouldn't be able to keep producing these without your support. So thank you for your generosity. A special shout out to some of our top contributors, including the guys we're listening to. Preston of Pressing Full Show, Dustin of Mother Rock Botanicals, Milwaukee, AKA Milwaukee Jeff, Kevin of Lifted and Dina, Tim of Soy Cubano in Denver, the homie Spaceman Spliff 808, HODL Stream, Skunk Dog Maui of Hawaii Heirloom Genetics, Hash and Hedies in SoCal, Snarf Stash in Colorado, Doug in Missouri, Whitewater Hash in Oklahoma, Ryan, Jonah, and Mario in Illinois, the homie Gendo 420, Nick the Intern in Michigan, the homies Big C and Depeche 44, Rudy in Palmdale, the crew at Heritage Hash Co. in Mendocino, Gastown Fire and their Green Cedar Retreat in Tofino, David of Rosin Evolution, Chris the Real Cannabis Chris, and CB of Pulp Friction. Thank each and every one of you for your support. I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. So you guys uh, brought up 710 Laps earlier, and we talked about this uh, in our conversation about a week ago you guys won a contest that they threw and unfortunately that was on the account that is no longer active at least for the time being but tell us about the experience man that was such a great experience being able to go out to uh what was it oakland yeah yeah oakland california and being able to check out uh brad and scully's facility over there and uh yeah, it was just great just seeing how the how the team works. They have like a good amount of people. What at the time it was like seventy, maybe, but just like they had like a great cleaning system of how they come in, like very laboratorial, and like they have many different rooms of just growing, you know, in all kinds of different ways with their living soil and their. Uh, well, yeah, they, they had like every single thing going there. It was pretty cool, and uh, that was a great experience. Yeah. You know, just being able to uh, uh, have that connection. And funny enough, you told me, like, when you won the contest, you didn't really think it was going to be anything, but, like, you guys are going and maybe getting to try some of the rosin or some of the hash or something. But it ended up being, like, a full-on tour of the facility. Yeah, exactly. It was basically, like, the Willy Wonka experience for us (laughs) hash-wise. The hash Willy Wonka. Really open. Like you said, like, the... The, uh, the Oakland facility just had a vibe of just like, seemed like everybody's really working together. It wasn't super complicated. It was just, it was just impressive to see the inner workings and how, you know, professional and 
being kind of like we were observing and studying their thing from before and really like appreciating their educate. Like they said, their educational outreach is really a cool, important thing. It's brought hash a long way. Yeah. Big kudos to them. That trip was like ultra fun and just uh, special in its own way. And we won it on like a dance competition and it was just like hilarious how it all played out, but definitely a big part of our inspiration and I got to give thanks to those guys and really, uh, funny in the, in the saga how that played out and really cool and definitely helped kick off our you know success and just yeah, seeing job. that success you know and formula yeah at that point were you guys already kind of like working together kind of collabing together yeah yeah i think so for sure yeah, yeah me and preston have been working work. together a lot we, we do all kind of stuff just for different work with each other but definitely processing the not the we were we hadn't gotten the freeze dryer at that point but we're just starting to do live rosin in the cold room yeah at that point so we were, we were just like right that. on the edge of like locking it all in so the Very timing dry. was perfect really fun so you did passion for the hashing back in 2014 right but i think you mentioned to me you've been you were washing her like earlier than that what yeah. was your first experience with washing hash i mean i've washed hash a super long time ago but not like with the modern dabbing awareness you know right. so definitely bubble hash in a long time but like as far as for like trying to make dabbable bubble hash and this was kind of like taking place because i first started with like the bho concept and making that which is super sketch and so that, that had like the kind of like the the revelation of making that switch so i was on that mission of just like figuring out how to make the milk be like hat be like oil you know mm-hmm. But I think I was like 2012 when I really started washing consistently and kind of really putting in that research on that level about then, you know? Yeah. And then, um, yeah, yeah. Just been learning from that point. I started on the five gal washer and, uh, that was cool. You know, smaller batches, like same amount of work, but it's like, you really can kind of study it and yeah. And then like, going through the steps of like washing machines, you know, running washing machines to like now back to simplified with the hand stir we prefer to, cause it's just, more intimate and you can just feel it and it's a good workout and a good way to get together and it's just cleaner all in all a lot of people say that too it's just more streamlined and able to be cleaned a lot easier and uh yeah i like that component and i think it adds to some of the specialness we put a lot of energy into it we always listen to good music super important part of the formula listening to good music throughout all the time with the plants and in the hash lab and yeah the energy's right you know yeah yeah you mentioned uh going back to like you guys being focused or hyper-focused on quality uh, and experience when you were washing on acid, was it? And that you were convinced that there was something uh, in the hash, but Preston had to talk you out of it? Oh, yeah. Just, you know, we're always, uh, you know, overthinking and overseeing our quality, making sure that it's at its purest and premium. And uh, sometimes some of us like to hallucinate a little bit too much while working (laughs) and see things that are not there. But it's good, you know, it's good that we have that in our mind that we're keeping, make sure that we don't see anything. <laughs> we always do look over it all, you know, it's just like, I kept thinking I was seeing microfibers and like little hairs in it. And then we would look so closely and it was just so funny, but it was like delaying the wash because I kept thinking I was seeing it. But uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter too in some cases because we're still grading it after that too. And there's always, yeah. sometimes you'll find like little cannabis hairs. There's just ways that things can come through and that, but then you press it one more time, which is great. But yeah, that was funny. And we, we, uh, we, we've definitely dialed that like sweet spot of how much psychedelics to use during yeah. all the steps. 
just the right amount is is key, but definitely like to use mushrooms as opposed to acid. Acid is a little intense. Like I don't know how people eat full tabs to ten full tabs. Like that's wild. Yeah, <laughs> microdosing mushrooms. But if I, level. yeah, microdosing is a big part of the formula and really I think tunes us into our plants and stuff and um and our you know our teamwork and everything. But we really all those steps of the grading because we just have such a you know small batch quality product that people really are generous in their donations for, and uh, we really take that serious and try to really make sure that it's really clean and, yeah, and really always. you know all of that. It's important and it's cool because we can just watch it all along the way and be able to provide that. There's a lot of check and fail safe steps. Yeah, and you mentioned to me when we first spoke that you wanted to talk about the way that you guys use hash in your life. So I want to give you a little space to talk about that. No question. Right. All right. Oh, sorry. Just what how, was the question just how hash, you use hash in your life and what it does for you and like your formula. Because I know earlier, Preston, you mentioned, for example, getting off certain medications and being able to use it. But what other aspects of your life, I guess, does it uh, play a role in since it's important to you? Uh, you know, yeah, it just helps me relax my day. Yeah, you know, sometimes work has been a stressful day, whether you're actually like just working in a garden or detailing cars, just living life. It's nice to just have that sense of relief dropping off your shoulders and just, you know, just like a re-looking, uh, uh, re-looking at the, you know, the aspects of your surroundings and just, it's nice being to like, oh, okay, maybe I could play it out this way now. I don't know. That's just how my mind just thinks out differently. So it helps me with that. And it also helps me with the, you know, eating sometimes like can't get in the mood to eat, but, uh, you take a little, little hash head and, uh, wait a little bit into it. And you're just munching. You're just losing your mind, munching off. (laughs) Uh, I get into my zones, you know, and the same thing, like I'm a power napper as well. (laughs) <laughs> like that's key. That is key to having a good life is being able to get quality, you know, rest. quality rest. Like it matters. Like uh not too much. Sometimes I like to take three hour naps and that's that's ridiculous. But yeah, um half an hour, fifteen minutes. Well, we joked about this earlier, and this is not to discourage people, but you know, if you want a nap, don't be a parent likely, or at least because it's not happening bro <laughs> yeah. that's a good point that's, that is very especially true. for moms man yeah i mean this guy can yeah some. for sure no i i know that vibe man it is it is on especially the young ages and you got to just be aware but yeah yeah <laughs> that's when you need the naps the most which is ironic but yeah funny enough i'm sure i know it takes very true so let's uh skip around a little let talk to me a little bit about that white widow because that's kind of a, a Hawaii thing, funny enough, because it's not, right? It's a European, I think, yeah. genetics, but there's some version of it that has survived in Hawaii, held in high regards, and you guys are luckily running it. So tell us a little bit about it. Just something well well grown and well known here. I mean, growing up in high school, I used to, I didn't even know this guy at the time, but uh this other guy I used to pick up from, he, he had White Widow and it was just the most ridiculous resin I've seen in my life. Like every time you, every time I picked it up, it was always just the trichomes falling off. And I was just like, 
lace like what is going on but uh now nah, the white widow is just something so well well known over here just everybody wants that that sweet earthy strong gas that it provides yeah i mean that's just i've i've known about it since i was in high school I was like the first, it was like the first, yeah, first, like, first got here. Definitely was like something on my radar at first, but to my understanding, it's one of the first like known strains with a name out here. Right. And it really kind of hit hit off like that, the white rhino as well, to my understanding. But Mm. that widow is just known for being really potent Mm -hmm. uh, and being a hasher and bringing it to like the table with these modern hashers, it still holds its own. And that one definitely, I could say, probably runs like a 6%, maybe a 5 I don't know. Yeah. In my, if I was guessing, especially when run right. And uh, just still holds the, holds its space and just is, yeah, it's known for being really potent. I guess the original seeds were from greenhouse seeds to my understanding, but we have this one as like a freaky pheno that is really supposedly been kept around for like definitely over 10 years yeah, amongst certain time. people. And there's like definitely some discrepancies, like any classic strain of like where it's from or who had the origin, but in the South Kona kind of Kona side, it has like this le- most legendary kind of space. And then I think in Pune as well, they definitely, which is the other side of the island. So yeah, a couple they cannabis hotspots. But yeah, still cool. Still put you down for a nap. It's for supposed sure. to be a sativa dominant. Now the sativa indica thing is definitely like on the fence these days, but it has a real more of a whomping effect as opposed to being like an up, you know, but it can right. hit you different ways. And then it can be like this like spicy overbearing gas, sometimes even leans to like a GMO flavor. And yeah, then sometimes exactly. it can be like sweet and sugary mm-hmm. in the extract. But yeah, still holds its place. There's been also like talk of it having a certain amount of genetic drift and not being this quite the same as it used to be. And uh, I almost feel like I remember it being a little bit of a different structure and density. But That's as far honest. as yeah. hash wise, the hash still is that, that still flavor there. and high high yield. So. That's kind of our department. So it still is there for us. But yeah, it seems yeah. like it's kind of changed its flower structure weirdly. Hard to say. Yeah. But we still got it. And yeah, people still want it. And so, yeah, we keep it around. We call it the, uh, the uh, cult classic. It was something classic. Yeah, I don't know. It's just I just had a term for it because it's just such a, such a classic one out here. And I want to, like, give it some more shine and esteem somehow and bring it, you know, back to the appreciation of Forefront again. Because I feel like it, you know, kind of got played out too in a way, and people are kind of tired of it at the same time. So, I know that you guys have uh, mentioned the GMO, but also like the strength of it, you're saying is pretty on par with something like a GMO, right? Yeah, I think it might have some similar cannabinoids, special subtleties that have that same knockout. Because, like I said, I almost taste some kind of lineage of that chem GMO deep down mm-hmm. in that widow even though it's supposed to be like a Mexican sativa by an Afghan hash plant. I can't remember. I'm probably saying it wrong, but I think it's something like that. But I do feel like there's something deep down in it that has that special knockout gas undertones. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, I really appreciate you guys hanging out. I'm going to start winding it down. I know we've been chatting for a while. Preston, you are born in Hawaii, but you told me that you don't necessarily consider yourself Hawaiian or part of the Hawaiian culture per se, but that you were embraced by the people that you grew up with. So tell me about some of your favorite parts about Hawaii or growing up there and the culture. I mean, it's just a very calm and respectful culture over here. I've lived in the mainland per se, like 
Colorado and uh, Nevada. And it's just completely different, you know, like the, the vibes of people there. I don't know. It just feels a lot more negative out there to my personal experiences. Over here is a, a lot of law. You know, you're always going to want to get a hug from someone who knows how it is nowadays. But yeah, it's always like giving hugs and always like teaching and the respect respect of the culture that we live over here. You know, so yeah, like I'm, I'm not Hawaiian, like a different Filipino, Italian, born and raised here. But yeah, I'm a local boy to heart. And uh, it was cool. Like in elementary, they teach you a lot of the Hawaiian culture. You know, something uh, with all all of like the history and how it's got overthrown and, uh, you know, allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> but yeah, just uh, it's just uh, I, I love the area here. It's so hard for me to want to go anywhere else and live. Like there's so many opportunities where I could live and I'd rather just stay here on this land. It's special, man. It really is. The tempo, like the vibe and just kind of the encouragement of the natural resources and environment is just very like relaxing and kind of encouraging. Yeah. And, you know, it's just just such a special kind of chill vibe out here. And uh, it's kind of like Groundhog Day in a good special way. Yeah. You know, there's other islands. It'd be cool to check out the other islands. But like, I don't know. I feel like it's a lot more mellow here. Maybe Maui could be probably just as mellow but like you know you go to oahu and that's a little bit more crazier it's a smaller island there's a lot more people it's like you know this island is just big and we're all a little bit spread it out so we can all have our own space and that's what i love about this island you know we have many things from having a huge mountain waterfalls beaches active lavas well you know, you, you just got many things here. There's so I've lived here my whole life and I still have yet to do everything. You know, and I got to stay on, I got to get on that and do it while I can since uh, I know more kids like you guys. So, yeah, it's special. Right? Yeah, it's a, little, it's a little bit hard. Yeah, you were telling me like before we started, you did like a, a nine mile trek across yeah. lava or, you know, dry lava, obviously. Yeah, on dry lava with our good friend. John, John Capono Carter, love that dude. But, but, uh, he's a man. He's you know he's a now he's Hawaiian and he's like very like spiritual and like humble guy. So it, it was cool that he was able to like show me the ways of like walking on the lava field and checking out the lava up front and uh, just having a respectful manner of it and uh, it builds it builds character. Like nine miles doesn't seem like a lot since. You know, we one wheel. Or they did it at night. Yeah, right? doing it at night so you can't see anything. You just see the different shapes. So I mean, yeah, it's that's mental, a bro. yeah, that's a crazy. Like I'm not too fond of too much hikes, but I'm ready for like those kind of adventures. Living on the edge. Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty cool place to to live and explore. I mean, like to get away from it. <laughs> uh, Dustin, you said you can be a harsh critic of herb and hash tell me what makes something high grade for you yeah good question i mean yeah i i guess like for me at this point you know if it was like a blind situation i didn't know like the background into because it's really important for me to know what's in my food and everything so that's another that's a big part of it but just that being ruled out i would say like smooth if i was just blind smoke something smoothness 
and like kind of cleanness is super important. And I know that can be sometimes achieved in really different ways, even in like artificial environments, surprisingly, but that's not the only way I judge it. And I really always look into like the, the methodology, the mindset, all those things of the people that are procuring it and working with it. And I think that is, you know, where we have a special thing going and where other people that I've tried quality products have something similar going where it's just a lot of care. Um, but yeah, to me, natural, you know, grown with very, as little man-made things as possible. And, uh, you know, in soil is really important with sunlight. Like those are like really, I'll try maybe other hashes sometimes if it's like from somebody that I'm interested in trying, but for the most part, I like won't smoke hash or flower that I know is like grown you know, artificially, unless it's like really somebody I trust or somebody that runs it like laughing shaman or somebody like that just basically does all those methods inside really cleanly, you know, but, um, yeah, that's important to me. And it kind of, even if, even if I try something and it's like, I know, I don't know, just kind of, I'm already the mental game of it, knowing that it's not there. It just kind of already affects the highest weird, all those things like the, uh, the action and the observer kind of stuff. But yeah, really natural, clean, uh, with, with care. And, you know, another one I just look for is people that are just running like a reasonable amount too. And it's not like, okay, this is our, you know, we're, we're like labeling our thing over all these giant mass produced spots that are just like taking so much. And yeah, I, I consider all that, you know, and also like, you know, yeah, just the, 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 I look at all the things nowadays in a certain way, like a plus and a negative of like what it takes to create it. I study things like that of like how much kind of draw did this have to, to, to create so much give, you know, or something like that. And yeah, that's kind of important. I want to see like them people utilizing very clean methodology for sure. I just kind of kept seeing the same thing in a circle there. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. And not to, you know, point this out or whatever, but you mentioned when you went to 710 Labs, you asked, uh, I believe maybe it was Brad, if he could sense like a difference between. Yeah, like blind back to back living soil to like conventionally grown. I don't know if it was specifically rock wool, but like real generically grown indoor resin. And he was telling me that he couldn't taste that difference and feel the difference. And I, I believe him because he smokes a lot of hash. But to me, I feel like I can definitely notice that, you know, and uh, we put that to the test and it would be a good experiment. But yeah, I feel like there's a vibe to it in the high. And like I said, like the right high and experience should almost be like when you smoke it, it should be like a, an epiphany and like a re revelation, religious experience. That's what I really judge like good quality spiritual cannabis that has that effect on me. And I feel like that comes from people that have that intention behind it. And uh, the, 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 the cleanness of food and uptake of whatever that could just be looking like herb, but it's like a carbon copy just filled with like synthetics, you know, and it looks just like it. And that's weird to me, you know, definitely. Yeah. But not, not to say that that's what's going on specifically there, but yeah, that's interesting, you know, cause he's a hash, he's a hash head, Brad, he knows he really, uh, I'm sure he smoked it all and is smart enough to really have the discernment. So that's interesting, you know? Yeah, it was. That's why I brought it up. So I, we always yeah, yeah. We think about that. we think about that. Yeah, for sure. Preston, uh, Dustin has said that you are really inspirational to him. I'm curious how you feel about that. Uh, I find it hilarious. <laughs> I don't know how he feels inspirational towards me. You know, like I'm always looking at him. He said that, but I hope he knows. But like, he's a modest guy. I don't know what he's talking about. Like, uh, I, like when I first met him, he was on a 
CD cover. Like, I remember getting this. Uh, what album was that? The first arm album? Yeah, the, yeah. That was yeah, a great one. Yeah, some music. That was stuff. legendary, you know? <laughs> so that he's a big inspiration from a guy that can rap uh, music and garden and have this, like, awesome family that he has. You know, he said, this is just a well-known ganja farmer father. And it's just very well figured, you know? So I don't know what, what he sees in me that's so inspirational. <laughs> so... Oh, he's too much. It's, it's just it's just the mad love of just recycled. And I also facts. wanted to like, you know, because Preston's like a little bit younger than me. And I my goal was to like basically make the farmer look cooler in a sense, not in a cheesy fake way, but like make that be the cool thing, you know, with my own example and whatnot. So that's kind of been my mantra and like my approach. And Preston's just been like somebody that's been really receptive to it and, and, and mirrored a lot of the great qualities about that. But yeah, that's kind of been like my goal is to like let people know like the farmers can be a cool thing and that's really going to be an important role, I think, or not. Role. And if it's not an important role, we're fucked. But, it's uh, a main role. <laughs> it needs to be, you know, but I've heard like predictions of that shit going AI, man, like soon, like robot farming is not that far away. So it's like, we got to really be aware. This is a powerful time like that. And I just hope people would be more encouraged to step into roles of farmers in different ways. It doesn't have to just be herbs. It doesn't have to just be veggies. It could be other value-added products, other medicinal extracted products. You know, it's like, it's a wide world. We're doing all different fun stuff like that. And we want to diversify that too. But yeah, the, the farming aspect is really a cool thing that bonds us. And I'm glad to hear that's rubbed off on Preston. And he's a great, it's a student, it's a both way student teacher thing, you know, and there's a lot of ways like, He's humble about it, but yeah, it's been awesome, man. Great friendship, great uni- unification, you know. Yeah, we haven't even uh, touched on the fire red beard and uh, I'm, yeah, the army of farmers, bro, right? Yeah, yeah that's the one. Thank You're you, bro. One. And it's yeah. cool that we haven't too, because it's like, I've done that for a long time of just kind of like being a little bit more on the forefront and it's nice to kind of be, I want like my, I want like the product and stuff to be more what speaks and not so much like, you know, cause it's definitely like I'm thankful and I've had like an iconic vibe and stuff, but I also want to like now test it in a different way. And uh, I appreciate this, the, this, the compliments, but it's nice to just, uh, you know, be, be humble like that too, you know, and same way, like it's, it's, but it's all there. People can check the music, you know, it's on there for sure. Yeah, bro. I told you, I've been jamming out to Strictly Lively quite a Thank bit. You, yeah. Appreciate that. Well, um, all right. Last few questions. One straw seeds. What's going on? All right. Thank you, man. Big plug. Yeah, that's of the diversification I'm talking about. We're starting a couple projects out of the farm in some simple value added products. And I was very um, inspired by a farm my sister's working on in Canada. It's a small agro uh, biointensive seed company and produce farm. And she was explaining some really cool aspects about how and I listened to a podcast actually about them talking about the power of seeds. And we see that in the cannabis world, of course, but just the power of seeds and good varieties. I just took that and I wanted to combine that with, um, I call it one straw seeds because it's based on this guy, Masanobu Fukuoku, who wrote the book, One Straw Revolution. Really interesting book. I recommend everybody check it out. Not too long of a read, but um, without getting too in depth with that, it's a, it's a memento to him. And it's a little small seed company that has just some simple, really high nutritional kind of good, easy to grow crops. I'm starting with like edible amaranth called Kalalu, really tasty, tasty and nutritious. I'm doing like some hot peppers and that goes along with a little hot pepper sauce company called Reaper's Bonnet Pepper Sauce. We're doing both of those seed company, 
little hot sauce and they both kind of go back and forth because the seeds that we take out of the peppers for the sauce, we then dry them and make them available. And somebody pointed out to me, like every tomato has the value of $5 worth of seeds in it. And you can still eat the tomato too and pluck those miniature seeds out. And I just tripped on that. So yeah, I'm trying to just diversify and bring like more little simple value added products. The hot sauce is taken off. My good friend, Malka Glass Thomas uh, had the recipe. He's an OG hothead and he's a, uh, and I'm just kind of help helping bring it, bring forward the concept, but it's just uh, kind of like another great unity like me and Preston. And so yeah, d- diversifying, bringing it into agriculture in different ways, you know, utilizing the same care and love that we bring to the cannabis to other things, you know, and making them niche too, and just kind of fun and collectible. And yeah, the power seeds though, I, it's really cool. And two, one more quick thing I wanted to add too, is like a big part of our fertilizer regimen is a sprouted popcorn seed tea very simply. And that's a really great cheap fertilizer full of lots of growth hormones and, and then aloe vera, but side note, anyway, sprouted tea, sprouted popcorn teas though, really great. And, uh, yeah, those are simply it. I'm going to send you a seed pack too. That you guys can have and share with some people or if you guys have a little yard space, to throw them in, you know, they can get rocking anywhere for sure. Yeah. I told you, man, we, I've been inspired recently by not only your farm, but just like a bunch of people that I keep up with in the cannabis world. And we got a little garden of like, you know, veggies and stuff growing at home now too. So okay. yeah, we'll, we'll throw that down, man, for sure. I'll send you a hot sauce too, if you like hot. Yeah, I do. <laughs> awesome. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you for chatting that up. Yeah, of course, man. Preston, uh, since you're such a kind of creative guy, what's like a project or collaboration or something that's coming up that you're excited about? Mm. What do we have going on? Well, there's been a lot of requests for the specifically some press info show uh, iconic Carol's, merch. Yeah. We got like a couple like fits that we're thinking about, but go yeah, on. I, yeah, I think that's about it. That's coming up as planned because I can't think of and just more more there? fun flavors, you know, more different new flavors on the way. We're really kind of trying some new stuff, so that's going to be exciting. But what 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 else you got? Planned? Nothing at the moment. That thing at the moment, just uh, being able to save up enough money to get another hoop house going. Yeah. Cool. Sounds like pretty- a good plan to me. Yeah. Yep. All right. Since we talked about uh, why I know you guys shouted out a few people that, you know, you respect uh, there in the cannabis scene. Any extra shout outs you want to give out to somebody on the islands? I got a couple. You want to go first? Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, let's see. A couple quick ones I want to shout out um, of some island people doing good island work. Uh, the homie Super Kawhi over on Kawhi, 808 Genetics. Um, my other brethren, uh, Maui Skunk Dog, also known as Hawaiian Heirloom Genetics. Those are a couple of cool guys doing the seeds out here. Big shout out to um, homie Spaceman Spliff out there for sure. Yeah, on Oahu. Amalka Glass is a couple of cool glass blowers from the island. Black Sand Glass. Dabson glass. These are all some cool glass blowers that are creating out here for us. And we've just been friends with them, enjoying their work out here. Big shout out to my wife, you know, for being in big support and my kids, you know, and, and Preston and all his crew. Uh, and that'll be my specific shout outs for the Island. And I had a couple other ones, but yeah. And then everybody just bringing forward the good canvas. There's a lot of good people out there. There's a long list, but those would be some close ties. Oh yeah. Zooted Solventless. Yeah. The good homie. Zooted solving us, doing some great things. Can't forget. And uh, yeah, that, and then, but there's a lot of great, great people doing stuff. So keep up the good work out there, Hawaii and keep it clean and keep it uh, natural. Mm-hmm. But we, we see you guys and respect you all out there. Yeah. 
And one more for right now. Sorry, Turp Overlord, homie Turp Overlord. Big up, brother Zach. Okay, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask if person had anything to tack on. No, I'm pretty much on the same list as, as with him. Uh, <laughs> All right, cool. Just because uh, I don't have my other accounts, so I'm totally spaced out with a lot of people. You know, besides like it, people on island, he already called them out. If there's people outside, you know, shout out to like uh, Rosin Evolution. You know, they've been a huge help to us providing products, sticker plugs, st- sticker plug LA, you know, providing the quality stickers. Um, yeah, there's just a good, a lot of people, Michael Oakland. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> that, that guy keeps us in line. Big up, big up Michael Oakland. Can I uh, shout out the last couple ones real quick, just from abroad? Go for it, bro. All right. I want to shout out. And we also thought about the question too. I don't know if you're going to ask it, but if you were asking uh, who would be a couple of people <laughs> in the podcast, you want to ask it or you want me to wait? <laughs> I'll wait. I'll wait. No, no. Go for it, man. All right. Sorry, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but a couple of people were like thinking off the top was Laughing Shaman. Interesting, homie. I'd love to hear his perspective. Um, yeah. Big shout out, Laughing Shaman. Also, funny guy that I'd love to hear his perspective would be Solventless Minds because he's such a character. That's he, a good one. He puts in work, that guy. And then also uh, Dank Duchess, too, because she's such a hashhead and a psychedelic com- uh, proponent and just a real, you can tell she plays this tough and always appreciate her point of view. So those would be three that I'd shout out real quick uh, for just a recommended for here and on here eventually. Yeah. And then last couple ones from out about Dragonfly Earth Medicine. Big up then. They were a big inspiration. Uh, Garden of Greece, for sure. Um, Michael Oakland, big up. Yeah, and that's about it. Thank you. And big up to the Hashish Inn yourself, man. I don't want to wrap it up or anything because there might be a few more, and I'm loving this. But this has been just like beyond a treat. And uh, we're huge fans. We're both on the Patreon. We're both uh, tuned in, learned so much, gleaned so much great info from all the Hash Heads, you know. It's a, and I love it. And it's like, I can just, I can just handle it. Cause it's mad, it's mad nerdy, all the hash stuff. And I love it and I can do it, <laughs> but it's like way more palatable, like big up, big up the, uh, what's the hash YouTube one, but it's just, that one's just too much for me. I can't sit through it like that. The, uh, hash church. Yeah. Hash yeah, church is too much, but, but, but big up bubble man too, like great wealth of knowledge. But yeah, thank you so much for making this uh, so concise and digestible and clear. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it's like I always say, man, it's it's kind of a trip for me uh, to hear anything like that. And yeah, it's it's a blast doing it, man. And I just feel honored to be uh, in a spot to be able to talk to cool folks like yourself and, you know, put out uh, hopefully some good information, uh, and some good vibes. And, you know, I, that's yeah, that's it. <laughs> Awesome, yeah, man. Great meeting of the minds, man. Appreciate it. Yes, Everybody sir. out there, keep up the good work and let's all work together and move it forward, you know, in a real complimentary way and keep shining that light on the plant as being, you know, a thing of, you know, love and respect. Yeah, man. And, you know, I, you said something that really struck a chord. So before we end, it's like uh, you, you talked about wanting to talk about, you know, cannabis and spirituality. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like I, I mentioned earlier about it being kind of a a segue into being in a meditative state. So I don't know if you wanted to expand upon that a little bit more or. Yeah. If you're open to that, touch on that real quick, just, I was just blown away. We talked about it before of how, at least for me, when I take a big hit of hash and stuff, it'll like be something that affects my 
perception of just feeling more empathy and more moral alignment. And I thought that was just really interesting and how even like specifically psychedelics too, uh, you know, mushrooms and natural ones that I really recommend. I'm just blown away at how they just really align the conscience and stuff and, 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 and togetherness. And I just think that's really thought provoking. But um, yeah, I just, just think it's so interesting. Like, what is it about these plant medicines that help us line ourselves up when used correctly? And how can we continue to kind of move that forward? You know, we're doing it in our way, in our little hash world right now. But I just hope all the people out there can kind of utilize that plant medicine in different ways and really trust it and get back into that alignment with, you know, the, the tune of uh, well-being and, and care for the care for the earth and everything and that can all be one channel, you know, I think. And the hash helps. Yeah. The hash helps for sure, man. And I, I definitely think that there's something there to what you're saying about moral alignment, I think is what you said, you know, uh, cannabis being a, kind of a, a vehicle to, to be able to do that. But at the same time, you talked about the fact that that's not to not acknowledge the fact that it can be used without the best intentions as well. Ironically too, it's powerful. Like when it comes with a disclaimer, like I said, I've had friends kind of like lose their mind on strong cannabis and to to this day. And it's definitely uh, profound. So Mm -hmm. with a warning and it's definitely like, I always tell people like psychedelics and and even strong hash is like looking into your own soul. So unless you're like ready to do that, be, be cautious, you know, that can be scary and it's real. And, uh, but it's, it's profound how it does that and it keeps me uh, just wanting to do right and be a better person and be more kind of yeah. patient and compassionate, especially on the family element and amongst friends. It puts me and Preston on a level where we're like psychically connected and like think he, like I think something in the hash lab and he does it. And it's just like I, I attribute a lot of that to the plant medicine and, and, and utilizing it together and assimilating our personalities. And so, yeah, there's something to it. I don't know the answers, but I encourage everybody to uh, responsibly uh, move, move that forward and keep pursuing that and along the lines of well-being and stuff for sure. Yeah. This yeah. guy's words. He's got the proper words for it. Like <laughs> too many at times. I'm like, see, I wish I can like not stammer and just explain exactly how he did. That was perfect. I love you. Preston did great at the interview too, man. And his perspectives are just, there's, they're numerous and good. So I just think it brought out, a good bit of everybody. Yeah, I hope so, man. You know, I think, yeah, it came out like it, it was supposed to. And I, I had a great time. And like I said, you know, the the admiration is mutual. Best rosin of the year, for sure. Thank is you. Thank com- you coming, out of, coming out of your farm. Um, so for props for that, you know, everything has been stellar. The flavors are, are popping, but so are the, so is the effect. And, you know, this may be like a little weird or like, as you said, uh, in our other conversation, a little hippie-esque, uh-huh. me, but there's a, there's definitely like a, a, a medicinal vibe to it. Like I told you guys, when I, when I puff on it, it, it feels like medicine, you know, and I don't know if that maybe has to do with the fact of, like you said, kind of knowing where it comes from and, and kind of always vibing out with you guys or, or whatever, but it definitely has a good energy to it. Thank you, man. We feel the same way. And it's a huge compliment. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that I was going to say too, is uh, it's just like I was saying too, it's like that interesting, is it like really part of it that you know where it's coming from in the intentions? Well, that is true. Is that's real? Does it really affect it? It might, it might not, but to me it does. And that's why I was saying when I judge a product, man, that's why I look at it and thank you. And we really, 
put that up and up into it. We're really genuine about really uh, infusing it with proper, you know, genuine vibes of progress and uh, togetherness. And as cheesy as that sounds, like we look at it, it's like science too. And we're like infusing of that shit for real. And, you know, th- that's our intentions, at least <laughs> in our minds. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's cool. It seems to be working, man. So, uh, so stick to it and, you know, props for everything you're doing. And like I said, educating the youth about the importance of farming. It's not something that I grew up being taught or, or really showing the importance of, but now I, I see it more and, and I can see this connection of like what Preston was saying, like growing cannabis. Uh, I, even you said earlier something along the lines of like cannabis fools us into into farming. I know it's not that necessarily yeah, that, that it sentiment. Controls our brains, mind controlling us to uh, line up more naturally. It, yeah. it really is, bro. It really is. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting. But uh, I appreciate you guys hanging out. I appreciate everybody who's listening, hanging out with us again. Uh, Press Info Show, at Press Info Show, at Mother Rock Botanicals, at Fire Red Beard, at One Straw Seeds. At, I might have got that one wrong, but... <laughs> That's great, bro. Thank you so much. I'm going to send you those for the garden too. And that's great. Glad glad to hear you got your garden going, man. We'll we'll build on that. Yeah. Cool, man. I appreciate you. And uh, we'll catch you all next time. Thank you for listening to the Hashish Inn. If you like the podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review. Until next time.